0: The Late Night Alternative with Catherine Boyle. Speech Radio with a difference. Talk Radio.
1: And the difference tonight is double woman. Yay. Is that XXXX chromosome? After Friday, we needed to redress the balance somewhat. It got very blokey there for a moment. Yeah, a little retroactive. (laughs) It It was very 90s, actually, for a good... Oh, three or four hours before they, they came to blows. What, like, what, 1890s? Yeah. Or? No. Yeah. Well, they were talking about, you know, Tossy of the Week and all that stuff. I mean, we could do that if that's what the people want, but I don't yeah. think we'd do
2: anymore. Yeah, we'll do what the people want. We'll do Because we're people pleasers. Well, that's what ladies do. Within
1: reason. But given the fact that we're on Periscope, we don't really want to do what those people want. Okay. <laughs> 03444991000. Right. If you want to give us a call. We're just talking about that story that was mentioned in the news about Norwich Football Club apparently trying to, um, d testosterone the opponents by painting their dressing room pink psych them out with colors <laughs> that sounds
2: not very masculine to me <laughs> that is some deep sort of uh, psyops there But
1: you were saying they do that in prisons
2: Yeah that's a that's a technique I don't know I mean they do say that there's things like yellow if you are in a yellow room that makes you feel crazy and act crazy oh, really? They say red makes you hungry and apparently pink Calms you. I don't know if it takes away the testosterone. It just makes you mellow.
1: There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, some of those footballers could do with being a bit more mellow when yeah. you see them throwing themselves around like idiots. But
2: I, you know, I would suggest that they throw their um, efforts and energy into perhaps just being better at their sport. So less less on the redecoration tip and more like just do some jumping jacks and, and, you know, kick the ball around. I was going to say, throw the ball around because that's what we do in America, God's country. What the hell's going on? There's a man coming in here. What do you want? Look at this man. some keys. I have a lot of... (laughs) Ash! are you you doing all right? Yeah, do you wear pink? Do you have pink in your house? I've got
3: pink things, yeah, but not much. Yeah. Not
1: not Not much, much. yeah, not much. What have you lost? Keys,
3: yeah. Keys.
1: There are no keys here, my no friend. Keys. No keys. You want to get one of those keys that you whistle to? That's a good idea. A go to, go to the 90s. Again, the 90s are where you'll find those key rings. Were
2: they. It was that just a little uh, sneaky attempt to kind of bloke up the show? <gasps> For sure. They just sent that For man sure. in. There'll be another one in, in about 10 a, minutes. With all that facial hair? <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah, it didn't work. It's he wears pink. He does wear pink. He's he's the wrong one. I think they're going to soften us up with that one, and then they'll start sending in the the big guns. (laughs) Do you have big guns here? No, not really. No, they're all in the other channel, Um, (laughs) and and they're not really guns so much as pistols. Yeah, water pistols. Water pistols. (laughs) okay but bless them they try yeah. 03444991000 um you can be a big gun or a water pistol we'll be happy to fire you yes anyway by the way i didn't get fired uh, anyone who is uh, concerned about that i can put your mind at rest i tell you who we have got we've got rory on the line hey rory on the side. hey hey you you're in edinburgh right i'm in edinburgh do you hear edinburgh around me cast hang on let's have a listen yeah, definite, the definite sound of Edinburgh. Yeah, there's a little white yeah. noise going on there.
4: A white noise. There's two policemen in front of me, and there's, like, there's not, a, not a lot of banging or beeping or anything, but it's it's, it's good.
1: Well, Edinburgh's yeah, a very civilised place. Earlier. Sorry. Go on, what did you say?
4: No, it's OK. I said it was noisier earlier. Oh, I'm sure
1: it was. I'm sure it was. So what have you been up to, Rory? You're, uh, you're our Edinburgh I, correspondent
4: been doing loads. I saw Sarah Baron today. Um oh, who is awesome on the show. She was amazing. Um she is like the dirtiest
5: woman I've
4: ever seen on stage. It was like uh, oh my God. Um if you like dirty women <laughs> go and see her. <laughs> so it was seriously it was it was it was really good. It was it was it was amazing.
1: Oh I'm glad she did um, well.
4: Yeah, and I I remember and she remembered me and I, and I remember her saying when I called in like about three weeks ago or something and she said um come and see me after the show and everything and then she remembered me and everything so that was that was like enlightening and self esteem inducing and everything. Mm-hmm. And I understand why I I understand why Ian likes her because you know Ian has this thing where he likes women who look a bit like men <laughs>
1: He doesn't like women that look a bit like him. What do you mean? He likes, he, he said this before. He likes women with men's names.
4: He likes, you know, Carrie Grant from Carrie and David's Pop Shop. Yeah. He likes her because she looks like a man. He said this before.
2: And what it's kind, so wait, what kind of man? Like in what way? Like biceps or just like a really square jaw or an Adam's
4: apple? A sort of, I don't know, Kitty. it's sort of just um, a general. what uh, it's, it's so, A lump in her
2: trousers? <laughs>
4: <laughs> oh, my God, that is there. That is there. Her whole thing. <laughs> She's got a thing. You know what she does? She produces her, um, uh, her porn story that right. she wrote when she was 13 years old.
2: <laughs> I'm intrigued she she's, great.
4: The stage. she's amazing she's got like four star reviews but it is the dirtiest show oh, you've ever seen I hope
1: she takes it other, other places because this is her first go isn't it Edinburgh
4: I, it's her first go but she's, I think she's got like five four star reviews and uh, she's done so well she's, good. she's, she's amazing good. she's really really good it's such a good pick to have her on the show
2: are you seeing other acts while you're up there
4: I've seen loads of great, I, I've seen Dana Alexander, who's a Canadian, uh, of Jamaican origin, and she is so funny. She's brilliant, like, about relationships and people and so many things. She had this thing, she's called Dana Alexander. Yeah. But, uh, she, she said, she was like, um, oh, a Scottish a Sc- a person said to me, um, oh, your, your name is, is Scottish. And, uh, how'd you get that? And she was like, ah, slavery?
2: There, so. there is that. Oh. It's the so thing so that links in, us all it, together.
4: Yeah, yeah um, and I saw Jolly Boat. Jolly Boat are fantastic. They had uh, they do party songs. They do a version of Park Life. Oh, yeah. Where, like all It's it's based on a pub quiz where all the answers rhyme with yeah. Park Life. <laughs> um, it's stunning. I mean, I've been going to Edinburgh for like eight years, yeah. and this is the best one ever because... I'm Old and um, I know what I'm doing. I don't have any shame anymore.
1: Well, and also, I guess now you're cutting right through all that, because there's a lot of stuff to cut through in Edinburgh. I I mean, I've only been the once, and I can see how you would get completely overwhelmed by the amount of choice there and also the number of people doing stuff in the street and trying to sort of coax you in at two o'clock in the afternoon to go and see stuff and before you know it, you kind of miss the stuff that you really wanted to see.
2: Yeah, Rory, what's your Edinburgh hack? Like, how do you focus in on just the good stuff, on the tenderloin? Here's the thing
4: to do I went to a show by Dahlia Malek it's called The Interruption Show and um, the deal is that uh, Dahlia and Colin Chadwick are on the stage and they do their bit then the next thing is that they introduced like four different comedians Mm. so they had Eleanor Tiernan they had um, Dana Alexander they had two other people I can't remember but they, like, interrupt them and ask them what, what, basically interrupt their set. Yeah. And say, oh, can you elaborate on that? Or can you tell me what that was about? And if you go to compilation shows, basically is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. You'll see, like, ten minutes of somebody's one-hour show. And then you next day you're going, going to their show. And they'll tell you what their show is at the end. So okay. anybody who's, like, going to be in Edinburgh for the next, you know, I, I think it runs until Sunday. Um, so you've got all week... Just go to a compilation show, maybe on the first night, second night, and then you'll then you'll see some of those people that. I think that's my Edinburgh kid.
1: Yeah, let's be honest. Some of it is. I mean, there is a lot of like amateurish stuff there because that's the whole point. You know, it's supposed to be people trying out. It's not supposed to be tried and tested comics going and doing their things. Although that does happen still. But there are some real gems, aren't there? We we saw a thing last year when we were in Edinburgh. Was it last year? Or the year before? It was um, a one man show about Charles Hawtrey from the Carry On films. Oh,
6: oh wow! It was amazing,
1: yeah. and we were sitting in what was essentially what looked a lot like what like an old classroom or an old lecture theatre. We are all in rows with, with desks in front of us. It wasn't the most comfortable thing, but for, the, for that half an hour, hour or whatever it was, we were completely lost in this world. And it was just one guy, one set. He was just fantastic. It was amazing. Mm. And, and that's the thing. You're seeing shows all over the city in the, in the weirdest places, but there's some real talent there.
4: It's a smorgasbord of inspirational creativity. We're just out of uh, Paul Foote's show. Yeah. Um and uh he was he was stunning. He has he's he's, he's actually he's part of a growing um uh, collective of people in the British media who have a problem with Greg Wallace. And that was like about <laughs> ten minutes of his set.
1: Well <laughs> <Yeah>. Greg Wallace, <laughs> the, the lover of the big spoon from the cooking shows.
4: From the cooking shows, yeah. And he has about ten minutes in the show, which is anti uh, Greg Wallace. He was so Concern about Greg Wallace that he compared it to a certain um, uh, movement against uh, sexual harassment that's been going on for the past year. Wow, oh, really? So, uh, yeah, he said he said his, he said he wants by this time next year for um, his hatred of Greg Wallace and getting Greg Wallace off TV to be as big as the Me Too movement. Wow. So that, <laughs> <laughs> Wow! So,
1: Rage—he really does not like those shows. No. He I'm, doesn't
4: like Greg Wallace. He doesn't like Greg Wallace, and a lot <laughs> of people don't. Leon from Gogglebox didn't like Greg Wallace either, and Nick Abbott doesn't like Gre- Greg Wallace.
1: I don't mind Greg Wallace.
2: You know what? Greg Wallace needs to go up to Edinburgh and do a rebuttal show. <laughs> he does. He
3: needs to.
4: Yeah, Kitty, you're right. He totally needs to. Yeah. Maybe you could
1: take Nick happens. Knowles to do the sort of be the house band.
4: That would be amazing. Yeah, actually, you know what? Talking to Nick Knowles. Sarah Barron has wonderful, a wonderful bit about Michael Bolton.
1: Oh, God, I love and that I,
4: man. I, oh, my God. He was he featured in her pornography when she was 13. What? Yeah.
2: Well, I
1: suppose he did look a bit like Fabio at that time. He was. He just looked
2: like a big, like, carved-out Easter Island head. <laughs>
4: <laughs> What's that with a beautiful wig on top. Yeah, yeah. with a like oh. flowing
2: uh, yeah, meadow just springing forth from Although, his brow. Did you ever meadow. see that
1: Netflix special with him? Michael Bolton's romantic Netflix special. No, I missed that, It Catherine. was amazing. Why? Because he took the piss out of himself for oh. an hour. He's he was a a cool just, guy. Yeah, he's really cool. You'd All like right, him. Right. Maybe it's now he's lost the mullet, maybe that's what the power was, but yeah. he, he was it, it's well worth having a look for if you can. It's 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 so
2: funny. He just looks constipated when he's singing. I don't like that.
5: How can we be lovers we can be friends? <laughs> How
4: can we roll and not? Something about making the amends, then isn't it? I think.
1: Don't pretend don't. you don't know all the words, Roy. Yeah. Ooh, ooh. Oh my
4: God, it's been rolling around my head all day. She played it at the like the end of her show oh. today.
1: I want to see that show now. Yeah, boy. Oh, come,
4: come, come, to Edinburgh. Yeah, come. You've got like a Saturday and Sunday okay. uh, after you do after you do the week.
2: What's it called? Do you remember what it's called?
4: It's called For Worse, F-O-R-W-O-R-S-E.
1: As in For Better, For Worse. All right. Yeah,
4: okay. yeah. Oh, she's so um, good. And there are, it's like about marriage and relationships and um, masturbation. Oh, so, I, so.
2: you know, I am I have varying skill sets with all three of those. So I, <laughs> I, <it's>, it, <laughs> tick, tick, tick. It, it, it speaks to me and I need to know, yeah. I need to go and compare some notes.
1: She's so good. I, I hope she does something uh something closer to where we are. Thanks very much for giving us a ring, Rory. You take care. Enjoy oh, the rest okay. of Edinburgh. Yeah. Have a great week. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye. bye, bye, bye. Good old Rory. Oh, three four 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 nine nine one thousand. if you want to give us a ring. I did see something about Nick Knowles, actually. We've been talking about him there. He does come up a lot on this show.
2: Does he? Because he's a man
1: yeah. who seems to take himself very seriously. And, of course, that will leave him open to, um, well, ridicule, let's be
2: honest. Why, why do people take themselves? Like, there's... I... I was just doing a show. I, I was in LA uh, for the last couple of weeks doing uh, some filming for a BBC Four show that's going to pop up next year, and uh, we're looking at a lot of American artists from the '70s and '80s. And um, one of the art, one of the bands, Hall and Oates, they take themselves very seriously. Do they? Yeah, they do, very seriously. Like no sense of humor. Like all business. You know, songcraft, technique you know hard work that's all great not knocking it but they're just you know not not a, a hint of self deprecation
1: well even though for most of us they are kind of fun
2: they i know they're all about the fun times it's the music that you play like in fact i think that john oates's mustache has a twitter account or something <laughs> like that like people love to you know it's like fan fiction like yeah. people like to de- deconstruct the personas and um They're not they're not real happy about all of that. They're like they're they'll they'll sort of tolerate tolerate that sort of level of of uh, fan fiction and fun, but they're not embracing it.
1: Uh, Do you think it's because they feel like their art is more serious than do they? mm, I wonder whether they feel like people take the mickey out of them.
2: Well, I think and their art
1: is serious business to them.
2: I think the thing is, I mean, they're ex- you know, wa- whereas Lionel
1: Richie seems to have fun with yeah,
2: it. That's a great example because the thing is, is both Lionel Richie and Daryl Hall and J- John Oates as a duo um, are are wildly talented yeah. and have made masterworks of pop music over the decades. So you know, no one's the, no flies on those guys. But um, yeah, you think that they could unclench their buttocks a little bit, Hall
1: and Oates? It's a shame, isn't it? I interviewed Alvin Stardust once and I thought he'd be fun. Yeah. Wasn't... Wasn't...
2: Oh, you know what? David Cassidy also kind of... He used to be pretty uptight about things. You know, William Shatner, the same way. And and I guess there is that thing where they get defensive because pop culture is pop and it's perhaps seen as disposable, but it really isn't because it's embedded in our DNA over the decades. And we still love, I mean, I still love the Partridge family because I listened to them nonstop when I was a kid. Well, there's a
1: theory, isn't there, that pop music is silly and for girls until like 20 years later when the guys decide that actually it was quite cool. And then all of a sudden um, they know more than the girls who followed them absolutely religiously, that whole thing. Thank
2: you so much. That is exactly it. And then they deconstruct it and get all...
1: Explain it to you. (laughs) Explain
2: it to you and get all egghead, meathead about it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, it, I feel it's a real shame. And pop music, you know, my parents would always say, oh, this is crap, you know, that you're listening to. And you go, well, it's not supposed to be music you sit and listen to. It was supposed to be music that was on at parties, it's in, on the background, it's yeah. to make you dance, you know. And it's, it's
2: not for you, Mom no, and Dad. No. And so, what about this Nick Knowles character? So you're oh, saying, well.
1: Okay, so, you know, he had his own album that he made. With, I think his brother was in the band and stuff. Yeah. It kind of smacked of someone who. Um, Try hard. Someone who no one said no to. Okay. Someone who no one said, ah, do you know what, Nick? Maybe this is just for us, for fun, for home. And he, you know, he, he went on the Amazon, um, you know, charts and stuff, and it was very quickly reduced, and, and people laughed at it a lot, and he, he did try very hard. He made some videos. Yeah. Um, look them up. If you ever okay. want to laugh, but here's another thing that he, he don't mess with him when it comes to cafeterias. Oh, what? Television presenter Nick Knowles called, some, called something of a social media stir when he posted 40 tweets about a cafe 80. after they told him he would have to wait an hour for a sandwich. To be honest, an hour for a sandwich is excessive. It is excessive. But also, did- this is a man who can redecorate your house in 15 minutes.
2: Why can he do that? DIY
1: SOS, you oh, see. OK. All right. So he knows about budgets and he knows about time.
2: He, he knows about, yeah, how to budget your time.
1: <laughs> the DIY SOS presenter vented his prus- frustration on Twitter following a visit to the Curious Cafe in Cheltenham on Saturday. He did not wait for the sandwich because he had an event to attend, he said. Right. Knowles, 55, in case you were wondering, right. said, I'm surprised anyone in the food business would think asking any customers to wait for an hour for food is OK. Any customers, meaning, and I'm a special. Did mom.
2: he? Did he actually? I wonder if he said, "Don't you know who I am?" Did he say I that? Almost guarantee he did. Yes.
1: The Curious Cafe responded by pointing out it has a very small kitchen and only two chefs, adding its food is the highest of quality. But Knowles, who did not wait for the meal, replied, "Yeah, I can see that, and people love the place. But tables were free. Perhaps less tables and more prep space solution." Uh, oh. he's trying to get himself a job. He wants to be a prep chef. <laughs> well, he wants to make them a nice workbench. Yes. The restaurant said the garden tables were completely full. Until we can expand our kitchen at peak time, there will be a wait.
2: Okay, I, they're both jerks. <laughs> I mean, he's a bumhead, and they're just bad at their job. They can't make a sandwich in an
1: hour. An hour. I mean, what kind of sandwich was it? You oh,
2: know, yeah, yeah. That is, there's some deficiencies being bandied about there from both parties.
1: Yeah. Yeah, much as I hate to admit but, that maybe... Um, but
2: wait a minute, 40, t- 40 tweets from him about this. 40 that. is
1: excessive, right.
2: Okay, this is what psychologists call, and perhaps our psychologist who who listens in can can opine on this matter, but displacement. There's something else that's eating at him. What is it? Perhaps it's the fact that nobody liked his music.
1: Well, he loved it but nobody else does.
2: but he took it out he took it out on the sandwich makers who admittedly are not a very dab hand at making sandwiches it sounds
1: like they do need to butter a bit faster they need to to get that knife in and out in and out in and out hello Hugh hi there hey what's going on
7: um I'm happy to hear Katie back on the show
1: oh thanks Hugh um
8: and I was I was wondering about accents particularly Katie's accent
2: yeah I'm wondering about it help
8: do you, do you have to do anything to preserve your, you know, because you've lived yes. in the UK for a long time, yes. on and off, but, you know, you still sound just the same as you always did? Ah,
2: uh, Oh, yes. but do you? Well, here's the thing. That's a great question, and I'm always interested in accents and the way they morph. Um, so when I have occasion to review various TV and radio shows that, that I did in the 90s, I'm always struck by the fact that I think I sound transatlantic, like more transatlantic then. And almost like a little camp. I don't you know
6: mean, you mean transatlantic or mid Atlantic.
2: Uh, well, mid no, like like um yeah, mid Atlantic, well corrected, sure. Cat gotcha. Um but oh, a little <laughs> But a li, but a little bit like I'm I have one foot in both camps is what I'm trying to say. So but um I did go back to L.A., I, or I lived in Los Angeles for twelve years from two thousand to twenty twelve and I think that I... I reinforced my natural American accent and, in fact, got more confident with it because when I first moved here in the 80s, I think I felt a little less than, like, mm-hmm. you know, the British accent or all the accents that you have are really cool. And I, you know, my sound in my own head stuck out like a sore thumb. So and I you think. You were a I'd, kid
1: as well then, you? Know, yeah, yeah, I was
2: younger and I, I thought I was sort of trying to blend in. But now, yeah. So, but to answer your question, I think uh, it's about confidence. I think you start, you just. just. Just get used to, like, yeah, this is how I sound, and I'm going to keep sounding like this. And the only time that I will mask it or slightly change my accent is literally British people cannot understand me if I say uh, hall instead of hole (laughs) or... talk instead of talk like I have to kind of ape a British accent for people to be to understand that I'm saying you know what I can't even say water my sister
1: had problems when she lived in the States getting water she she would ask for water and get waffles yeah
8: Wafers. Does does anyone when you go to America does anyone say that you sound British? No.
2: Here's what they 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 used to a little bit. Um, I mean, one thing for sure is that my uh, cadence and my inflection is more British than American. So I'll you know, would you like some coffee? You know that we would go. (laughs) Do you want some coffee? (laughs) And so I I kind of uh, they'll pick up on that. But really, what I think people pick up on in America is they think that I've I sound posh, like a posh American. Like I've because I have um i enunciate uh-huh. uh uh so de- like a
1: new england thing oh uh,
2: yeah like i've gone to a, a good finishing school you know a good boarding school finishing school so to american ears i sound actually quite elegant and posh and you guys think that i'm like a big old clodhopper. we see right
1: through it yeah you do hey thanks for calling you Okay. Night. Thank bye you. bye. 03444991000. You're listening to Talk Radio.
0: Experience the unconventional, the unpredictable, and the completely unorthodox. The Late Night Alternative with Catherine Boyle on Talk Radio.
1: So I had a birthday while I was away. Um, Your own? Yeah, mine. Oh, wow. And it's the first one since my grandma died. So it was the first one where I wasn't expecting an envelope with old people's writing on it. Oh. and then on my birthday an envelope arrived but it wasn't from her it was from my step-granddad who's always been kind of he's kind of eccentric and he, i've never really felt like he's not not my granddad and mm. they got married when he was they're in their 70s and stuff so, yeah, so he's
2: they've been around for a while yeah they together. have but yeah. but
1: he's he's kind of um he's not a massively affectionate person and i do didn't know what our relationship would be now that we haven't got grandma in common. Right. So um, I got this birthday card from him, and I opened it up, and it was the first time he'd written inside it from from your granddad. Oh. And he put it in quote marks, and he put P.S. He said that makes me sound ancient, but I suppose I am. But it was a happy birthday thing. Oh. And so That was the first one he'd written, and I I don't know whether he's ever written a I don't know whether he's ever written a card for a grandchild before. He doesn't have any children of his own. Right. But here's the thing he's so funny because he he's got all these funny quirks and stuff, and he's not like I say he's not a massively emotional sort of person. Mm. he's very methodical he's the sort of person who I actually think that maybe there's there's a bit of Asperger's or something there mm-hmm. because of various things, but of course in his day wouldn't have been diagnosed, and he functions fine you sure. know but there are there are various things like the job he does um was always kind of a solitary job that was, um, all pattern based. And so he would be able to throw himself into it and no one would interrupt his routines. And we noticed that he didn't like a lot of people in the house because it would disrupt routines. He'd like have, they would watch Countdown twice a day, right? The first time when it went out, and the second time he would have recorded it and they would watch it again, <sighs> despite the fact they knew all the. Answers were. Oh
2: my God. And he put
1: a timer on the television so it switches off at 10 o'clock because nobody needs to be watching the television after 10 o'clock. And oh stuff. my God. Fun so, bully. You, well, this is the thing. It's kind of because he always had a wife that he was looking after and he was in sole charge of, he was able to run along those tracks still. Do you yes. know what I mean? So that's why I'm saying to you that I wasn't sure what our relationship would be afterwards because I didn't feel like I was hugely welcome when I went there because I felt like I was a disruption. Yes. But he does really strange things, like if you're um if you're um having breakfast there and you don't eat a piece of toast, you'll find it wrapped up. he saved it
2: oh.
1: and um
2: and what is that that's not from like a poverty ridden well, childhood not at or... all. I think
1: his parents were quite well off it's just his thing he doesn't believe in throwing things away and anyway so i I got this card, and I thought was the strangest thing about it was that when i shook it because I always do these days because I've been caught out by these glitter bombs before oh. there was like something shakeable in it so I opened it really carefully but it wasn't glitter in there and it wouldn't be his kind of style to put glitter in there anyway he's not that kind of bloke he's a functional bloke you know right. there was like a load of rust in the bottom of the envelope what? I have no idea I have no idea what that was. Okay,
2: so was the card... It's to a point
1: where I rang my mum and I said, what the hell do you think this is? And she went, oh, it can't be grandma, can it? Uh And I said, well, thank God I didn't open over the bin. Uh I don't think it is great. It was definitely rust. It looked like, you know, if you have like um, a cast iron pan or something and it starts to flake. And so it's black on one side and rusty on the other. Yeah. That
2: I. okay. I'm totally captivated by the idea that it's grandma, because that would be the (laughs) ultimate sentimental. Like as if I wasn't tearing up already with the idea of him, you know, trying to reach out and reach out and, you know, grandpa in parentheses, a little bit of grandma. This is her smile. (laughs) I love it's very it. rusty. A little rusty smile. Cause My
1: theory, because he doesn't throw anything away, I guess something else had been in the envelope before.
2: Oh, yes. Well, oh, something rusty. Yeah,
1: something he was saving, a, a part of something.
2: Yeah. I was going to say also the card. Like, maybe it was the card from the 1960s. It's
1: very hard to tell. It was one of those ones that's got a big poem on the front and it's very kind of old-fashioned and florid. Yes. So maybe, maybe, but... Um, I was very touched nonetheless in his way he was doing his thing.
2: Totally. I mean he he stepped outside he had a thought outside of his regimen about how about you. And also also it's a tribute to your grandma as well, like the but your connection
1: to her. So yeah, that was the that was the thing that kind of made my made my birthday really special um, and I wasn't expecting it at all and I'd had a lovely morning we'd had cake for breakfast and all the usual things and I got that and I burst yeah. into tears and then I found the rust and I felt okay things are resuming as normal
2: yeah yeah like don't go too crazy we haven't had a total breakthrough here <laughs>
1: there's something unexplained in the bottom of this envelope
2: do you Do you remember there was a film um w- I, I think I called it P.S. You're Still Dead but I, I think it's called P.S. I Love You that's uh-huh. what it is I
1: haven't seen it oh this was a few years ago doesn't he leave ago. notes oh no I have seen it yeah that, is it Gerard Butler
2: yeah Gerard Butler and Hilary Swank yes yeah and uh, so he knew he was dying and they just you know like topped up the the, the letter box with a bunch of you know like had him set to mail out like little love letters P.S. I'm Still Dead uh, but I still love you. I don't know. That's a little beyond the grave control freak for me. Well,
1: it was in that case, wasn't it? Because it was all about sort of trying to get her through it and and pass her on to someone else. Wasn't it essentially?
2: I guess so. I yeah. don't know. I mean, of course, it's nice. I I just have to be snarky and put my little cynical touch. But I did think it was almost borderline creepy. But um, I was sort of thinking that's where you were going with your grandma. I thing. thought so,
1: too. For a yeah. moment, you know, and I go, right, this is an old person's writing. Yeah. I haven't got any old people left. Who's yeah. this? Well, you've got that. You've got him now, got him, and his out. rust. Yeah, it turns out I still have. I, maybe I should go and disrupt his routine a little bit. Yeah,
2: like oh, just go watch Countdown for the second time with him. <laughs> it's
1: hilarious, though. Yeah. You'll you'll arrive there, and before you take your coat off, he wants to know when you're leaving.
2: Oh, not personal. Just, just no, just for the schedule. For the sh- schedule, he just needs to know.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Does that happen? Does that creep up on all of us? Will we all turn into that? Or was he always like that?
1: I think he was always like that. And I think he was kind of um fortunate that he managed to slip into grooves in life where he, he was allowed to continue to be like that and no one confronted him about it. Yeah. Huh. I think that's it. It's a, str- a strangest thing. But, you know, so it turns out I, I need to write him a letter, I think. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, it was cool. Hey, should we have a word with Yayan? Yeah. Hey, Yian. Hello. Hello, long time no speak. What's going on with you?
7: Hello. Well, um, I just wanted to speak to you because I know when I used to listen, you have recently spoke about depression in the past. Mm -hmm. And um, since recently, I've had depression now. Oh, have you? And about, I won't go into much difficulty, but I think you can guess, I was in the hospital about three weeks ago, twice in the the same week. I stayed in for, for three days each time by taking an overdose but won't go into much oh, detail on that. Yeah. So, um, but it's just because of family circumstances and the main reason what triggered it off really is you know, to say the one right, is because I don't like bullies, and also my grandchild died and the day I took the first overdose I see my granite in the chapel of the rest and my head just went I thought it was a good idea but obviously not so I just advise a bit of the people because I'm only I'm so young I'm only like 18 so mm-hmm. I don't think it was a good idea to see my grandson travel around.
1: Well, for and some the, people it's helpful, but obviously it didn't do you any good.
7: No, I thought it was a good idea. People were like, are you sure? Are you sure? I like, yeah, and then afterwards, I don't Oh, think, yeah, yeah.
1: How are you doing these days?
7: Well, I'm doing quite all right now. Um, i got a job now within a retail shop in Savers oh, in, my, cool. in my town, so that's really good. Mm-hmm. I have a nice tan all the time, so I look nice and dark. i got a perm, so I look older.
1: you I got a perm?
7: Yeah. Oh, People gosh. say it looks really better, and I look older. And and I bet you're the talk better.
1: of the town you're in with your perm and your tan. Flipping egg Very glamorous. I know.
7: Yeah, and they've got all the move over this new town in February, so I've got lots of new friends. Good. Good. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it sounds like things are looking up then. But you look after yourself because these things creep up, don't they?
7: Yeah, I just thought I'd like to come on Talk Radio and just give an update on the listeners because I know a few listeners have... Used to contact me and say they listen to you and they like me coming on now and again just to say an update on my life basically.
1: No, I I'm glad. I'm glad you're um onwards and upwards. But yeah, keep in touch with us, yeah. Ian. It's nice to hear from you. Will do.
7: Thank you. Take uh, care. Bye.
1: Bye. If you want to give us a ring, oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand, you can talk about stuff we're already talking about, or you can bring in something completely different. It's completely up to you. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand, or you can tweet at Talk Radio, or you can text us, and all you need to do in that case. Is put talk and then your message, you send that to 87222.
0: The Late Night Alternative with Catherine Boyle on Talk Radio.
1: Right, you know, we're talking about, you know, those small gestures that mean so much. Like yes. for my granddad, for my step-granddad. Yeah. Well, here's the thing that's uh, again divided the internet. This is the new thing, isn't it? Rather than actually finding stories we uh, we, we look on Twitter, but it's, it's actually a beauty. This couple had become an internet sensation after making an apparent compromise to keep off the wet weather. Pair were seen walking hand-in-hand hand down a street in Cheshire in driving rain early this month. He had his coat on, but he'd given her his detachable hood. Ah. Aww. This video has been uh, viewed nearly two, thou- 2 million times on Facebook with thousands of women asking if their boyfriends would do the same. Footage was filmed by Jake Shannon, 26, who think- says he thinks the woman had just had her hair done, causing his bo- her boyfriend to offer his hood. Not the full coat, mind you, Yeah, but you can have the hood. Yeah, so Mr. Shannon posted the video on Facebook with the caption, You love your girl, but do you love her enough to give her the hood off your coat? Man's setting standards on here that I just can't meet. There's a picture of him. Look, look at that. I mean, she's getting soaked, but her hair isn't.
2: But he's got, he has the coat pulled up over him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's love. Do you think? Yeah. Or what? She's, are you thinking there's something else going on? Like she's terrifying (laughs) and he has to hand that hood over or else. I don't think he's going to,
1: I don't, if she was terrifying, he'd give her the whole coat, surely?
2: (laughs) Right, right. Or are you just saying that we're so starved for kindness and niceness on social media that we're making a big
1: mountain out of a molehill with that? Maybe. Yeah. He said he looked fuming that he had to give her his hood. (laughs) Maybe she had it. Someone else wrote, got to wait for this new perm to set. It's just cost him £350. That might be closer to the truth. Yeah. So, yeah, those small gestures.
2: Did you hear that? Did you guys already talk about the story about um, the couple who were filmed on an airplane by the couple behind them. Yes, and it yeah.
1: got really crappy, didn't it?
2: Well, the thing was it was did you talk about it on the show already? I don't want to like I, go think I think we yeah. did briefly, but I let's mean it, was, it, it certainly wasn't mean-spirited. It was just kind of a sweet thing where um the uh the couple who were doing the filming had been asked if they'd give up their seat so that uh, what was it oh i think the woman needed to sit in a different seat for oh no that was it she gave up her seat so the couple could Could sit sit together together, right and so then her new seat was next to a a hunky like trainer guy and it turns out that this woman was a a trainer as well and then the woman behind them started to take snaps on her phone she's doing kind
1: of a commentary and she didn't film their faces it was all kind of oh they're touching arms yeah and so oh they're
2: showing pictures on their phone with their family and, you know, they both look adorable. And, you know, it was just kind of like an innocent, like, let's match make them. And then another shot of them walking together towards uh the baggage carousel at the end of the,
1: the well, flight. Well, no, you're forgetting in between times it was, oh, they'd gone to the bathroom they'd together. They'd gone to the toilet
2: together and you know, like she'd gone to the toilet first and taken off her baseball cap and fluffed her hair out. And then they'd gone, gotten up at the same time. Yeah. And then the, then the splash back on that was, She's a whore. They've yeah. gone back to do monkey shines, and you know, it's all lowest common denominator.
1: And he didn't mind being because it went viral, didn't yeah. it? And he, um, and they, of course, they couple... came out and said it was me. Yes. She didn't want to be named. Naturally. People found her anyway. And this girl they from the couple her. was, yeah, the girl from the couple was sort of a miserable cow. I mean, this is where she is, you know, yeah. they found her. Yeah, yeah, it's a,
2: it's a funny. It's just one of those things how uh, something seemingly innocent spirals out of control and you know goes to the eleventh level because of because of the internet. And then just that weird thing where you want to participate in it, sure, like you want to be part of the fun. But some of the people want to be negative and they want to like, well, let's ruin her life. This is our chance. We'll bring another happy-looking person down.
1: Yeah, but also a person who's sitting on a plane. She had no idea that she'd become their entertainment for the afternoon.
2: Oh, and that's another interesting thing about social media and this crazy world we live in is the absence of privacy and all things and how... Uh, the youngsters willingly give up their privacy. So they're posting their details on, you know, on every platform available and where you can find them and what they're doing without thinking about the consequences. Mm-hmm. Like, they can be tracked down. And privacy is really
1: just a bygone luxury. I also think that a lot of people, and I, we had a, I had an incident of it over the weekend, a lot of people don't realise that they're putting stuff on Twitter that's got their fingerprints all over it. Yeah. So, they, you know, if you go on there to shout into the ether and you yeah. at somebody in particular who you don't know and you don't really care about that much, but it's just someone to throw your ball at, you know, yeah. um, it can blow up, at, you know, and... and, and you can't get narky about it when other people take offense to what you're saying yeah
2: why what did something happen to you oh uh,
1: someone. St- yeah someone started a little thing with me um and then it transpired that this guy uh had been had blocked me years ago i I have never spoken to this guy so it was when i worked at a different radio station he thought i was so rubbish that he blocked me on twitter like i was ever going to speak to him anyway or would notice preemptive strike but then he unblocked me then he started talking about where i live on twitter and it's like wow you really don't like me do you but you've retained a lot of my personal information for a number of years yes but then you've got to remember and this is something i need to hold on to and i forget i forget i forget some people aren't some people aren't working with the full set of tools right and some people aren't as switched on to what it means i mean you look at this guy's feed and he's just lashing out mainly at women mm. all the time yeah. and he seems to be being deliberately kind of um deliberately aggressive um, and confrontational with people he's never going to meet and that's probably the point
5: yeah
1: and you know and some people on there let's let's face it and i'm not saying this guy because i don't know yeah aren't well
5: yeah so, it's, it's, but it's
1: very, when something like that lands in your pocket, it's very, very tempting to, to flash back, especially if you're the sort of person who lives on your wits. You know, doing this job, yeah, you kind of do, you know, and yeah. there'll, there'll be a smart mouth answer that comes into your head. And I have to fight every impulse to give it to in both barrels, you know?
2: Yes. Uh, a friend of mine who's a writer in uh, on the west coast of America had a residency up in the Pacific Northwest in the state of Oregon, just kind of out in the boondocks, out in the sticks. And, um, you know, he had to, I guess he was do, giving a seminar or a, a series of classes, writing classes, workshops, and he was interviewed by the local newspaper, like, hey, you know, look who's in town. This, you know, he's a writer from San Francisco. It's kind of like one horse town, so they're kind of making a big deal about it. Mm-hmm. And then um he st- the the article generated all this hate mail. Now, this was, I think, in the 90s, so it was sort of before all the social media possibilities and potential, but people were writing in, like, a, you know, you're... You're a fag. You're from San Francisco. Obviously, you're gay. You know, he's not. But obviously, they were were throwing it around as an insult. And, um, you know, who do you think you are? Uh, coming here with your big city ways, and I hope you die. Wow! You know, it's just like, it went right to let, you know, you should die. Therefore, you should die. That's the end of the equation. And the editor of the newspaper took it upon himself to phone some of these people, because I guess they sent in, you know, like, you know, Mrs. B. Johnson, here's my number. (laughs) And he spoke to a lady, and she said, she was sort of cornered and abashed, and she said, oh, I, I, I really don't know why I wrote that. I I, I do feel a bit ashamed. I just don't know why I wrote that, and um of course I don't wish that man ill. So I guess people do just have this weird. They think it's called telephone tough, where they're they're hiding behind you know in this case a screen. But a letter.
1: I mean, a letter is a step further, isn't oh, no. it? Because there's so much more thought that goes into a letter oh, no. than hammering away at your cu- you know.
2: <laughs> your, uh... Yeah, banging on the keys like a chimp.
1: Aren't yeah, people, aren't people funny. People are so funny. I mean, how I do guess- you put up with it? Do you get? Uh, did you used to get hate mail on the web um, because the word was a controversial thing. Yeah. I, I imagine that you were seen as you know being someone who would be a, a rabble rouser and well,
2: um they if I did, I was pretty much it was screened, you know, I was protected from it, although I did get a few you know green, literally green ink-penned letters, Um and then just silly stuff from earnest teenagers who were mad about, you know, because I was talking to a man who was eating a cereal bowl full of maggots, and so it was just like, save the whale, kid. It was like, what about the maggots' feelings? You know, that's cruelty to animals. Like, okay, well, I take your point, but, you know, uh, maybe refocus your your goodwill. Um, yeah, it wasn't... It wasn't so bad, and I thank my lucky stars that not only was I like starting out in television at a time at the you know the dawn of humanity before the world wide web but also that I grew up and went to school before all that yeah you
1: know because think about
2: you know you are probably in the middle of it with your kids like
1: yeah definitely it, but know, I also the- think about the sort of nonsense I used to get up to and thank god there are no camera phones <laughs> yeah you know, we're all entitled to do stupid stuff that's what being right. a teenager stroke early to mid-20s is for <laughs> surely I don't necessarily need some friend thinking it's hilarious to at me in it, you know, and, yeah. and it's there for posterity. My God. Yes. Yes. I did some really
2: stupid stuff. Like what? Tell me now. I'm going
1: to tell you That's <laughs> that. You know, stupid, stupid stuff that I, that you don't, that's not you anymore. Yeah. But you don't particularly want that being put on your permanent record. <laughs> yes. Well, mm, well, I
2: wonder if there is, I don't know that there was anything. I mean, certainly some fashion, some bad fashion oh choices, but I don't know that there's anything. It's not like I went through, you know, a drug hell, drug hell years or uh yeah, I've got that ahead of me. That's ahead of me, people. <laughs> you can still the, wait the for that se- to the happen. sexual experimentation and uh uh, transitioning and the drug hell years.
1: Yeah. Uh, no, well, hopefully my kids will... Oh, God, I don't know what's going to go on with them. By that time, everyone will have some sort of chip implanted in their face that they'll be able to see what everyone's doing at all times. Won't they? <laughs> yes. Actually, there's a there's a story about that that brings us neatly on. Okay. This guy who... Where is it? Is this a real cyborg, says the mirror. I, I can probably answer it now. No. Yes. But this is a guy who's had microchips injected in his hands that let him control electronics.
2: Huh. Is that just, like, make sure that your kettle
1: is boiling as you walk through the front door? I'm guessing it's so he doesn't lose the remote control, but yeah. let's see. This is one of these the, extreme uh, body modifiers, so he's got, like, horns as well. Okay, of course. He's and a, a tail. I don't know. Let me see. I can't see the tail. I can see the horns. And he's got, like, um, those sort of ear plates that are about the size, I'd say, probably the size of a small coaster that you'd put your cups Ew, of tea
2: on. Just, like, a big flaccid strange you know alien genitalia coming out of his earlobe <laughs> i don't know
1: what he's thinking of i there. don't like it it's beautiful to some people I'd, i'm ah, it's not for me an extreme body modifier has upgraded his fleshy form god do we need to use those words with cyborg enhancements that let him communicate with machines russ fox has taken to the interwebs has someone taking them in? to show off his new upgrades in a video he says he has nfc and rfid chips installed in his hand similar to those found in smartphones these can be programmed to carry out functions like unlocking a digital front door lock yes like a key yeah using a samsung smart lock he's able to unlock his front door with just a wave of his hand okay well i wave my hand but i also sort of twist a key yeah he also has replaced the key ignition on his motorcycle with an rfid reader so he can start that using his hand alone also again yeah i've never seen that as a massive Problem. It's gonna save like 0. 0.5 seconds there's even a secret compartment in a tablet he's installed that can only be accessed by unlocking using his hand chip all of these things are going to be sold or broken within the next five all years right.
2: he's just living i mean it's cute god bless him he's living a kind of james bond fantasy he's like turning himself into some sort of like sexy robot character he thinks it's fun but what happens if, like, how could it go wrong? What
1: well, if he opens other people, because you can open other people's cars, can't you, with keys? Right.
2: Or, you know, how could it be used for evil? What if he, like, if some, if somebody wants to rob him, could they, like, knock him out, chop oh, off his hand? They'd have all of his controls if they just kept his hand in their pocket. They could drive his motorcycle and his car and, and then turn on his kettle.
1: It's taken 52 minutes, but we've uh, we've plunged into Katie Pockrick's world of the macabre. Uh, yes,
2: <laughs> yes. And so, yeah, is that a hand in your pocket or is that just a handy way to uh,
1: hack your life? Well, well, you can access this guy's motorcycle, but I don't know whether it'd be worth it. I don't know what kind of bike he's got. Um, but, I don't know.
2: Is, Wait, well, what? you know, we scoff. There's a little scoffing going on here, but... It could. He's an innovator. He's an early
1: adopter. He may be the future.
2: And and it is, the, you know, we'll look back. People, our descendants will look back to him and go, he was the first. People laughed. And, you know, now it's the year 2525. And we just eat a vitamin pill to stay alive.
1: Sish 93 on the Mirror comments say people accepting the mark of the beast. This is how it starts, <gasps> making it easier for you to be controlled and restricted. Well, that's it. That's it. Because that's the
2: thing. is who. This is what I meant by chopping his hand off. Some There'll be an overlord who will decide, no, you can't enter your house or drive your motorcycle right now until I decide it is so. So there's going to be a central command button. There's going to be one giant remote control in the sky keeping
1: control of all of us. This guy has not thought this through. We need to contact him pronto.
2: We absolutely need to alert him because danger is imminent. Mark of the Beast, though, that's something else. What
1: part of your body would you like to mechanize?
2: Um, well, I'm already bionic. I don't know if you oh. knew this about me. No, go on. But I have a metal rod in what? my spine. Oh. I had back surgery when I was a teenager. Oh, I
1: remember. Yeah. Because so, you had a... And scoliosis. So I have and a, you had full plaster cast on your... I had a
2: big plaster cast, like kind of a really unsexy version of Grace Jones, you know, fiberglass thing, corset. Uh, yeah, so I have, a, I have a metal rod on my back, and I am an inch taller, so it is useful in that respect. I am still only five feet tall so it didn't it didn't really crank me up that much. But yeah, if I were to have uh, I don't know could I have like enhanced brain function? That's what coffee's for though. Yeah,
1: exactly. No, think of something more ridiculous. More ridiculous, uh-huh. okay. Um,
2: maybe some... I'd like electric legs. Electric legs! Yes. I was going to say something about my feet. Yeah, something about like electric legs. So you could just run like... Just switch
1: them on and what about go to overdrive.
2: What about that guy the famous killer... Olympic athlete Pistorius Oscar does he have <laughs> electric legs or he just has no he just has no, a knife and a gun stick on legs yeah, yeah, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. He, had, he, he had
1: too much weaponry in his yeah. house
2: he had w- weaponry I'm getting that mixed up that's a, a, a different kind of um, so what would you do with your electric the legs? legs well they
1: could have come in handy quite recently I went to a, a very old fashioned theme park you know these ones where they still have some things made out of wood yeah and, and carousels and like stuff, roller right?
2: coasters made out of wood rickety we, rickety rickety we went
1: on this amazing ride which was a boat on a rope They just drop you over this side, and then they haul you back up again on the rope. It's so it's so analog. (laughs) It was brilliant. It was really good fun. (laughs) There was an there was an element of danger there because you thought an element. You thought this is an antique. I'm on, so it's not even like you know. So, but there was also the worst idea in the world, and it would not get past the dragons these days. It was an it was a monorail powered by your legs. Right, you had to pedal. (laughs) <laughs> it's so like there, a Flintstone. Yes. So, but, and if you stop, everyone stops behind you. Oh. So I went on there and I, I drew the short straw, or at least the shortest child, right? So she's sitting next to me. I started to pedal, and I said, "Come on, you're going to help me." And then I looked down; her legs didn't reach. Oh, she's fact, useless!
2: Throw her out over the side. She
1: was flailing around with these stubs. Yeah. they were not even touching the ends of the pedals. Occasionally, yeah. she would hit a pedal, and it would start going backwards. I said, it "Look, it's best that you don't even try." Yeah, I was exhausted by the end of that of circuit, you were. and it was worse on the bends. It was very bendy in some places. When it went straight, it was okay, but very bendy. I complained about that thing for the rest of the day. So, electric legs in that circumstance would have been but, very
2: useful. But how were your glutes afterward at the end of the day? Were high and tight in the rump department
1: bonds of steel katie put oh you could crack a nut <laughs> doing it now <laughs> ah! electric legs <laughs> 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 oh, three four 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 nine nine one thousand we're just going to carry on talking balls unless you join in and that is not only a threat it's also a promise you can tweet us at talk radio or you can text talk and your message some waggers just texted talk useful um but we'd like a message too to 87222 we're going to be here for the next two hours it'd be nice um, to have your company 0344 499 1000 you're listening to Talk Radio my name is Catherine Boyle I'm Katie Puckrick and we're going to be here yammering on oh yeah and that's just the way it is
0: The Late Night Alternative with Catherine Boyle on Talk Radio
1: not just me though I've got Katie Puckrick in the studio yeah and she's going to be here all week yay for as long as she can stand it, frankly.
2: So far, the stamina is high. Helped by the fact that I'm in a completely different time zone. Because I've just spent two weeks in Los Angeles. And I got in this morning. So oh, I have God. no idea where I am, who I am, and what time it is.
1: Have St- you had a sleep in between? I had
2: uh, some weird plane sleeps where um i had strange claustrophobic dreams like i woke up kind of flailing around thinking in my dream i couldn't get something like some clothes off and then i was stuck inside of them and i was sort of flailing and then realized i was making a scene it's
1: fun for your neighbor
2: fun for the neighbor she was out like a she was like a blob (laughs) she was she was a fetal blob
1: i was dreaming about um the George Harrison's song While My Guitar Gently Weeps All Night Last Night. It just went over and over and over. Oh,
2: that's so tedious. Yeah.
1: I love that song, but uh, Yeah, no, but not over and over and no, over. No, and for no apparent reason. It was just there. Just there.
2: Just there. Yeah, it's sort of just drippy droopy, just yeah. going on and on and on.
1: Yeah. I tell you who's not drippy or droopy. Who? Tom. Tom. Hi. 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 <laughs> hi. Hi.
9: Too soon. Say hi to both of you. Hi, Hello, Tom. Uh, and happy recent birthday to you. Thank you, Catherine. And hi to Katie. Hi. Hi. I, I, I watched you on the words. So I've sort of followed you. I've not been a stalker. I've okay. just followed you <laughs> on, on TV.
2: That's fine. I know. Isn't that sad that one always has to qualify that nowadays? It's like, yeah, I kind of exactly. dig what you do. <laughs> I'm not a stalker. Yeah.
9: Exactly. Um, I, I just want to say as well, Claire, uh, I'll, t- I'll tell you, you have to go, do you? I have to You're go. you
1: Oh no! I don't know whether you um, caught the last ten minutes of Friday's show. I was um, no. I was able to issue a number of demands, and I got an apology, and my demands okay. are being met. So I, I'll stick around for as long as brilliant. as long as I am.
9: He's made my day because you and Lee, oh, there's chemistry, brilliant chemistry, as in yeah. radio chemistry. There, yeah, fantastic. So. He's
1: all right, really. He just pretends not yeah. to
9: be. <laughs> yeah, he's all right in, in bits and grabs. Yeah, no, he's fine. He's fine. Um, i have just got to say hello to a friend of mine, Ray, down Seaford. All right. And, and other than that, uh, keep up the good, keep up the good work and whatever you do, brilliantly. Thanks very much. What's going, nice, What's going on with Ray? Has he not got a
1: phone? Sorry. What's going on with Ray? Has he not got a phone?
9: Yeah, but I keep telling him to, but uh, to ring, but he All keeps right. bottling out. Okay.
1: Thanks for he phoning in. He's bottling
9: it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, no, you no, take care. Not yeah. everyone's
1: as brave as you, Tom. Cheers. <laughs> Thanks very much, Gary. is though Gary's always ringing up. Hello, Gary.
10: Well only between like ten and one, not
1: weekdays. (laughs) (laughs) The the
10: rest of the day, no.
1: What's Uh, going on, Gavin?
10: Well I heard you girls talking about dreams.
1: Yes. Yes.
10: Okay. I don't know if you're any good at interpreting, go for this one. Of
1: course I am. Yep. I'm an expert in this.
10: I deported someone in my last dream. Oh. So they came in for an interview for a job. I looked up their their thing and their passport was out of date, so I rang the office and they got deported in the dream. Huh. What the heck does that mean?
2: Do you have you don't do anything like that? Like you don't work for no border no, no. protection or control no. or anything like that. I
10: used to work in recruitment, so there would be times when people's visas wouldn't be right, but it, or they, this you know their old CRP checks would be outdate and things we have to do that, but I yeah. never had to deport anybody.
5: Right.
10: So that was But it was weird, and it was it was I was staying at my mum's as well because it wasn't so. It just felt weird.
2: Now, uh, the person you were deporting, did you feel like you were d- doing a public service by getting them out of the country? Like, were they dangerous or strange in any way?
10: They were a bit strange. They didn't answer the questions. Correct. So, like, you you know when you you know when you meet someone and they're a bit weird and you know they're holding oh, yeah. something back. <laughs> yeah. But. I, and, and like, I even remember her name. Her name was Margaret Cho, and I thought that was weird. But like, <laughs> even the name carried through in the dream. Yes.
2: Margaret Cho isn't there a, American a comedian. comedian called Margaret yeah, Cho? American, Asian oh, is American. there? Yes. Oh, yeah. okay.
10: She's... I'd never heard of her consciously, so maybe mm, yeah. subconsciously, I'm a big fan. Uh, huh. It was weird. That, that it was very specific about the procedure. You know, like the, I made the phone call in the. You know, like sometimes in yeah. dreams you get like right bit, 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 bit.
2: Bit sketchy. Bit
10: sketchy. And then sometimes it's very specific.
2: And what was your feeling? Like, did you feel guilty or did you feel elated after you... I felt guilty. Oh, like it it, it,
1: yeah, it like was a bit was... overkill.
10: Like I was just doing my job, but I didn't feel good about it.
1: Oh, man, I'm sure a lot of immigration officials feel exactly like that. I think that's the key to your
2: dream. I think that it's nothing to do with deportation. It's maybe there's something in your life that you have done that you feel like, well, it's the right thing to do, but it's not the right thing to do. I wonder, is there anything like that?
10: I'd have to think that's deep.
2: It is. Wow.
1: What what are you feeling guilty about, Gatford? Lots of things. That's where you begin.
10: Well, yeah supporting Ian on Friday. I
1: know.
10: How could you? Um, well, you know, I am dead to you. I understand it. Well, um,
1: it's just enough. been, you know, I just think that your relationship with Ian has always been a difficult one and I'm surprised that when it came down to choosing between mum and dad you went with dad. Well,
10: yeah, it's it's a difficult relationship. It's 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 been a number of years. It's, you know, it's codependent. Oh, right.
2: Um <laughs> but uh yeah. Or just dependent, maybe.
10: Well, just dependent. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it's mostly you, Gafford. It's got to be. It's <laughs> one-way street here. It's
10: pretty much a one-way traffic. <laughs> right. But you know, it's. It, I, I genuinely wanted to give the two Ians comma over the eye a
1: chance. Yeah.
10: Well, but it's not to be.
1: No, I don't think it's ever going to work out that way. It's too no. much testosterone.
10: Yeah. Not yeah. enough
1: pink. Not enough pink at all. Do,
10: by the way, I do like the way you got the studio. The, the, the blue very good.
1: Thank you very, very much. Soothing. You know what we've done. We've got all the lights on because we've realised that me sitting in the dark may, makes me look like a hag. Oh, also, yes. and,
2: and me, I'm like witness protection program. Exactly. So what we do? You don't want to hide <laughs> my light under a bushel. We
1: I'm have. an asset. So we have the lights on full, right in the face. Yeah, RuPaul style. We were totally, completely influenced by RuPaul's Drag Race because we've noticed that that lighting is fierce. Yes,
2: we want to be as flawless as a drag queen, and
1: the only way to do that is by having kind of interrogation lights going yeah, on.
2: We haven't. Inter- we are just interrogating each other here. <laughs> I,
10: th- I think that's the comment for th- I think that's the tagline for the. Show fearless like a drag queen oh yes (laughs) yeah i think that should be what i do thank you very much ladies for the uh, the dream uh experience the uh, whatever yeah okay
1: yeah you think on about that because there's obviously something deep that you hide in there and you can fix yourself broken
2: man yes
1: uh, 03444991000. So, let's talk about LA because you've just come back from, um, from, from LA. Yes. And obviously, at the moment, LA is kind of under siege because it is enemy number one, isn't it? From, uh, the Trump regime?
2: Well, it's hard to tell. That I mean, and the media in full. Yeah, there's so many enemies, isn't it? But, um, it's, it's a, the thing about California is that it has, um, it's a very rich state, like, uh, the, the, it's the richest, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And it's like the, the gross, uh, you know, state product of, of that state is akin to, you know, France's or something, like an entire country's worth. And it, so in other words, it sustains a lot of the rest of the United States. Um, and they also have very, um, progressive and humane laws and policies about, um, uh you know, being for migrants. I mean a lot of the industry in California is is agriculture and people come up from Mexico seasonally to pick strawberries and to harvest the crops and then they go back to Mexico and that's just a a regular thing that's allowed and and California's being hit hard by fear of Trump because less people are coming in now because they think that they're gonna be clamped down on. Mm-hmm. I mean that's happening actually across America. It's happening in Uh, Virginia, Maryland, Chesapeake Bay, people come up to do the fishing and the crabbing and everything from Mexico, and they're not now because they're afraid. But uh, it's interesting that in L.A. you will never hear, at least in my experience there this time, you don't run into someone who's just volunteering that they're pro-Trump, but they, you do run into people complaining about their parents who are pro-Trump. So it's kind of started this whole uh intergenerational conflict where and is
1: that because their parents are not from LA? These yeah. are all people that have moved into the area yeah. to
2: Yeah, I mean a lot of people who work in the industry in Los Angeles, the entertainment industry are, are from elsewhere. Mm. Uh it's it's less usual that somebody is is Southern California born and bred. Um but the in it's just very interesting to hear what uh the people who are pro Trump in America, the kind of stuff that they say, um, which is it's just a basically uh, a, a glorious case of denial. So anything that has all these stories about, oh, he's had these affairs with these various women who are, you know, playboy models or strippers, that's lies. Um, no problem with that. And, oh, him talking about grabbing women in their niblets and kibbles and bits – Uh, That's just guy talk. That's guy talk. Like, it's fine. And then when you say, well, what do your folks say about, you know, national parks being chopped up for industry? Oh, Obama did it. And, of course, it's a lie. Those things are lies. But. Even if Obama did do those things, why is that good? It's still not good. It's like, oh, I didn't know he did that. But if I had, I wouldn't want him to do that. But, um, but the interesting thing about, uh, my trip this time, I'd lived there for 12 years and I'd been away. I mean, I, I sort of dip in and out and go visit every couple of years. So it'd been a, like two, three years since I'd been there last. Lots of homelessness now all over Los Angeles. Um, uh kind of intentional and unintentional so you know there's always the the kind of the classic case of somebody who had you know was in the system and then couldn't cut it anymore and they've dropped out or Uh maybe they've they're on drugs or whatever but i'm seeing a lot of younger people who are living rough on the streets just around hollywood Um, huge homeless encampments, of course, is a a massive one downtown Los Angeles, and there's drone footage that you can look at online. And are these
1: people that have come to LA, you know, in the classic style to seek their fortune, you know, that would have been waiters and. Yeah, they
2: would have done that, um, and they, or they were successful and they, they either aged out of the system or just. Uh, you know, so hugely competitive and there's more and more people trying to get work. That is, is a finite amount of work. And then the other big problem is that I keep hearing is that rents are going up. So traditionally LA was such a cheap place to live. So you, unlike London or New York, mm-hmm. um, you, and it, it's sprawling like London. So you could just find a cheapo, you know, group house or, you know, a little ramshackly, you know, apartment complex in the hills. And those things don't exist anymore. But in addition to the unintentional homelessness, there's also this movement afoot. And we were talking about it a little bit earlier where people are consciously making a decision to downsize their life and make it more... Yeah, less about conspicuous consumption and more about living minimally and more authentically. And they they brand it in a sexy Instagram way. Like you'll see that. Did, did yeah, van say, life, isn't it? Van life. Yeah. So
1: people. It's girls living in, uh, you know, Volkswagen campus.
2: Yeah. So basically the classic homeless trope of living in your car, which never was cool and sexy, but now it's cool and sexy. Um, but I experienced, Or I met somebody who's living that kind of more uh, Golden State Hollywood version of it. This lifeguard who was assigned to the yacht that I was filming on. I was filming on a yacht in Marina Del Rey. And uh, for insurance purposes, we had hired this, you know, tall, strapping, tanned fellow uh, to make sure that we didn't, you know, fall overboard like the lady off the cruise ship. And I noticed when we dropped him off. Uh, that he lived in what looked like a, you know, Scooby Doo mystery van. You know, it was just kind of goofy little, you know, uh, camper van. Not even a camper van, just some weird little van that was pretty ramshackly. And it turned out that that's where he lives. And that's where all of the lifeguards in, uh, on the beaches there in LA live. And the lifeguards all have like a, lifeguard encampment where they live and they have weenie roasts and uh they it's all very it's like a shanty town for buff tan guys so uh he has a a job he's contributing to society he's daily saving people's lives but he makes his choice because my goodness la is so expensive and if he's an outdoorsy guy why not just keep living outdoors so they're
1: opting out rather than yeah
2: god yeah and he and making a go out of it and there's uh But it's, I tell you, it's a thin line. Like, if you get used to that, I'm not saying it's bad, but, you know, maybe when he's not a buff lifeguard, you know, when he's not in his 20s, 30s or whatever he is, you know, 50, then what do you do? Well, you're pretty used to living in your car. Maybe it's a short jump to, I mean, somebody was telling me, uh, you know, there's tons of strip malls all over L.A. and just like concrete jungle and Target store after a Walmart store after a grocery store. And, you know, there's a lot of places that aren't very lovely in the Valley. And a friend of mine was saying, oh, yeah, that, you know, right outside the CVS drugstore was a a woman just in a box. She had a, it it, it was like a like a, a couple of boxes put together, like a fort that you make when you're a child. Like, yeah. Let's push boxes together. And it's not even in like, oh, I'm just going to try and find a little, like a shaded spot or whatever's on the pavement outside a drugstore, just busy traffic, beep, mm-hmm. beep. And he sort of peeked inside and she was doing her admin. Like she had her piles of papers and she's just like, you know, taking care of business and like shift shuffling paperwork. And in other words, like, Someone like me, who a minute ago had a home, a roof over her head, and now she's living in a box, but she's still got to, you know, do her admin.
1: Yeah, well, the stat is something like we're only, like, one late paycheck away from, you know, a lot of debt problems in this country. Most of us, Yeah. God, I can you imagine? I, yes. I could probably last <laughs> about two months. Yeah. It's And, it, and that would be scraping.
2: And that, I mean, that, and that's a story of... um you know, the industry in LA, it's like a factory town where if the factory is not functioning or, or a uh, new technology comes in that changes jobs or, you know, makes jobs obsolete, that's a whole swathe of people out of work. So, for instance, a couple of years ago in post production, production facilities and animation, and digital production it became cheaper to do that in Canada and there were tax credits and, uh, you know, the Canadian dollar went further. So, so it all shifted there. All shifted there. So suddenly there's like 200,000 people. In Los Angeles who, oh, I was at the top of my profession and now my profession has moved.
1: Right. And the thing is, your average Joe will have no sympathy for those people because it looked like they were living the high life in the first place. But if it starts there, you know, that's kind of, there is a, there is a. Knock-on effect for everyone else, isn't it? Yeah,
2: and it's it, it's almost like they're the canaries in the coal mine yeah. because they're
1: so they stop shopping. So the guy who's running the shop starts to have financial difficulties. Yeah. So he starts laying off the shop workers, the Boom. restaurants,
2: catering. You know everything that's tied into that the industry. So now th- there's because it's very much a gig economy, and there's all you know Uber and Lyft and all these kind of taxi services are you've never seen so many beautiful Uber drivers because they're all out of work actors or they're actors subsidizing. Uh, you know their their lives, but um, you know now you get people like executive producers, showrunners who are thinking, "Huh, let's see. My elderly parents are having health problems. I think it's a better option for me just to move back to Montana mm-hmm. and look after mom, and then my wife can like maybe open a yoga studio. Like we'll clear out the front room, and she can turn that into." So people are getting very creative. They're putting their you know showbiz creativity into other ways, and I think yes. that's happening. Um, I mean. I have to address that in my own life as well. Like, if the work isn't consistent, I think, well, what else do I do? <laughs> what, what else yeah, what, I Yeah, what, your offer? transferable skills. Yeah, transferable skills, yeah.
1: God. Um, we were talking earlier on about attractive taxi drivers. Hello, Simon, in the New Forest. Oh, oh, oh factory will get you everywhere. I was going to say, other end of the spectrum. What did you want to say, Simon?
11: Oh. I thought I'd get abuse from Ian. Oh no. uh, Just as a aside to what what you're talking about at the moment, um, the the van living scene is is getting bigger in this country too. Oh yeah. Um, I'm a member on Facebook of a few groups that that are actively doing it, um, and I've considered it myself. And uh, and I'm in a a council place,
8: so what does that tell you?
2: You Well, I mean, a council place is more secure than a van
11: well this is it but you know i i really struggle to pay for my council place oh right you know they they, they call it affordable housing but it it, it certainly isn't yeah
5: um
11: and things are things are slowly getting worse and you see the the one thing i've noticed that all these van dwellers have in common because i you know looking at facebook and that is Is a
1: van (laughs) there's
11: a van yeah but they're all happy. Right. They're all content, you Yeah, know.
1: But well, they're the ones it, taking it, pictures of it, themselves. Yeah,
2: it, it just don't be fooled by the, the Facebook glaze on the situation. Yeah. They're definitely, like, gishing it up for the camera. And
1: I dare say that there's a little hope there that they're going to become Instagram stars and yes. earn a lot of money out, out of it. And be
2: subsidized. A lot of them are subsidized. Exactly. The successful ones, anyway.
11: I know what you're saying, but I just, like, self-consulant myself and, yeah. you know, the, the, the thought of waking up somewhere different every day is appealing and... I don't know, I just think when, you, when you factor in the, how much it costs to live and everything's taxed and yes. you factor all that in, it just becomes a bit of a, well, you know, why don't I do this, you know. Obviously, it's different if you've got kids and stuff. Sure. But the thing is, is like, although I'm very fortunate to have my my flat,
5: yeah. been there
11: for 15 years, I'm going to probably sound very ungrateful when I say this, that place has been a ball and chain around my ankles, since the day I got it. Because you can't give something that valuable up.
5: Mm. But it's
11: mean, it's meant that I've been stuck where I am for the last 15 years with very little option to go anywhere else because you know give it up, that's it. I won't ever get that again and I can't get a mortgage. So you know it's a case of well, what do you do really?
2: It, it is definitely seductive, that idea of you know not having the the albatross around your neck you know and, and being yeah. able to to be mobile, But then are you going to be, if you're mobile, are you waking up somewhere beautiful or are you waking up in kind of a strange industrial wasteland?
11: Well, I think you have to balance it. I mean, I am an Uber driver. Well, I'm a taxi driver. I've got my own taxi company and I also drive for Uber. Mm -hmm. And, you know, thinking about sort of, how far I could go with it, you know, would it be a case of having a trailer on the back of the of the van, whereby all I can right. up sticks and go somewhere and then unload the, uh, the, the the vehicle and go off to work, you know? Oh,
1: right, right. See that that's very creative. That, yeah, but where would yeah. you like stuff like where would you go to the toilet? How would you keep clean? That's all. That's all things that cleanliness is something that. We take it for granted, you know, and, and yeah. especially when you're working in a confined space, man, you've <laughs> got to keep clean. Yeah. Think about your customers.
11: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the thing is, I mean, I've always been very creative anyway. So, yeah. Um, yeah. if I was to embark on anything like this, and, and my plan at the moment is to buy because a purpose built uh, vehicle doesn't appeal to me. So, the plan is to buy a vehicle at some point in the near future and convert it myself. Um, and it would involve having either a bath in there or a, a shower of some description. Um, you know that that could sort of live happily next to a bed and a. You know, the, the two main things I, I would want would be a double bed and um, a wood-burning stove. Wow. Um, but but anything other than that would be a bonus. But you know, I have often thought about how to incorporate showers and toilets and things. But like I certainly don't want to spend my life over a bucket.
1: no, that's no fun at all, but,
11: but then i, I, would I imagine also was a, I was a coach driver for a few years, you know, and I see the the showers and and toilets that they've got on the on the coaches, you know right, so it's possible it can be done,
5: yeah,
11: but yeah, I just wanted to add in there that you know it's not just an American thing right. it's happening, you know, and I think that that is is indicative of of what's happening at the moment, yes. In, society I agree things are becoming too expensive yep and at some point you just wake up and you go do you know what enough of this
1: well and people are starting to wonder whether it's worth it right because even if you've got a mortgage I'm starting to wonder whether we will ever pay that house off I've got to wait for a parent to pass on you know to be able to even think about it and that's no way to live is it yeah what about my kids I wonder whether we just need to I don't know and I don't like this idea of well we just all need to rent then because that just means that the rich get richer
11: mm. yeah well, I don't want to rent I mean that's that's paying someone else exactly
1: someone else's bills
11: know. this is the thing see because where I am although it's not mine I have got the um, ability to be able to redecorate to do what I want to yeah. do no no, no one's going to come knocking on the door and six months saying right we want it back yeah and that's that's the, that's the ball and chain aspect because I can't Really give that up? Yeah, gold, you're
1: not going to find that anywhere else, are yeah, you? It's, it's, I'm
11: never going to get that opportunity again. So then it's like, well, I'm 42 now. So if we go forward another 20 years, I would have been stuck here for another 20 years, not wanting to be here. Is that really worth it? And it's
1: also it's bearing in mind difficult. that there'll be people listening to this thinking, I wish I could get on the list for a house.
11: Exactly. Like I said, you know, I know I'm very fortunate. I know I am. Um, but of course, you're, but you know, you it's, can't it's, help it's but wonder. Yeah. Mm. Well, it's the thing, you know, someone there's always somebody with worse problems, and I know there are, but, yeah, it doesn't mean that your problems aren't, aren't
1: on no, absolutely to
11: you, you
1: know. Absolutely. Hey, nice to speak to you, Simon. You take care of yourself. No problem. Well, Cheers. thank you. Bye, bye, bye. Bye, bye, We're going to talk to Matt, we're going to talk to Jerry, we're going to talk to Paul, but, you know, I'd like to talk to you too. Oh three four you're listening to Talk Radio.
0: The Late Night Alternative with Catherine Boyle. Speech Radio with a difference. Talk Radio.
1: Paul is in Stoke Poges and he's on the phone. Paul.
3: Hi, Catherine. I'm not going to get annoyed by in tonight. He's not going to have a go at me. It's you, Catherine.
1: Well, I might have a go at you. What do you want to say?
3: Well, you don't. You never have a go at me. uh, There's two things I'd like to say. Talking about homeless people to start with, I wish everyone could do this once a month. It's a word I'd like to spread. (coughs) If everyone could cook... A meal, say a chicken carne or a spaghetti bolognese or a big one-pot meal or a big soup. Cook a big batch of it and take it out and do it just once a month and take it out to your local town and hand it out to the local homeless people. I do it once a
1: month. <coughs> what, on your own?
3: I do it completely on my own. I get a list by my dad. I take it down into my local town, and I I put it into for, for flipping out. You can buy in pound stretch or pet the pound shops. Like you take away cartons, you take away cartons. You can you can put it in visiting take away cartons and just hand it out to the homeless people.
1: Are you um? Are you serving it in a sanitary environment? What if you make them ill?
3: Oh, so I'm not gonna make them, I mean, I'll cook it at home in my own kitchen, at my home. I mean, out, God, they must be taking most things and, uh, otherwise they'd be eating out of bins, won't they? Well, outside Burger King or McDonald's.
1: Not necessarily. Have you never thought of maybe working with a charity that's got like a proper organised yes, kitchen?
3: Uh, yes, I do. I, I supply food. Ki- uh, I supply lo- local food kitchens, soup kitchens, and they take them away, health and safety.
1: Well, you say that, but these people are really vulnerable. If you make them ill, yes, they could they are die.
3: Vulnerable. But he's just—I'm
2: just—I don't He, d- he d- yeah. He does a nice thing. What are you talking about? You're picking on him. I just—he wants everyone.
3: Oh, picking on I'll me. pick
1: on you in a minute. I'll drop you off. But you—you um, know—you're saying everyone should cook. I don't want to eat something from everyone. Some well, people are you pigs, Paul.
3: Do you know the other thing, do you know the other thing oh, Paul. I do? go on. Even if even if I feed six people yeah. with my batch of soup that mm. I've homemade and cooked that's totally pure and healthy for them, I sit down on their bed, which is a cardboard box or something.
1: Yeah.
3: Okay, and I sit down and I chat to them for ten, fifteen minutes. And they tell me stories about their life, where they've been, what they've done, and I just spend ten, fifteen minutes with them and they light, they their faces light up when well right, I turn them. You
1: enjoy Paul.
3: their faces and I just listen and they enjoy it.
1: I think that's fantastic. I think Yeah, but I just don't understand why you've got a tone of attitude, Paul.
3: I I don't have any tone kind of attitude. Okay. I just think everyone should maybe do that.
2: And what have you? What What do you feel it's given you? Like, what have you learned from spending time with the homeless? I'm just giving
3: something back because I've spent. I only spent two weeks as a homeless person in my life, Mm -hmm. but someone came along and once offered me twenty pounds in cash. I wasn't begging for money, but someone just came along and offered me twenty pounds in cash. It paid for me to spend a night and get some decent food down me, mm-hmm. and and then I was able to get back on my feet again.
1: How long ago were you homeless, Paul?
3: It must have been going back ten years. Mm-hmm. I spent my night. I spent my nights in a bus shelter.
1: Right. Mm. Yeah. What, what was that first night like? Sorry. What was the first night like? You must have been it was, scared.
3: It was it was pure loneliness. Oh. I felt totally empty. I had I had one pound twenty in my pocket. That was all I was worth. And yeah, I felt totally empty. I, I felt that society had failed me in a way. So I've how, got back on. I've got back on my feet again. I still how, live with my parents. I still live
1: with my you,
3: parents but, now.
1: But how did you? How did you?
3: Because I, because I believed, because I believed in people who could be kind.
1: No, but I mean, how did you get back on your feet if you were living in a bush shelter?
3: Because my parents sent me back into their home. I see. Eventually. But they just wanted to teach me a lesson, I suppose.
1: All oh, right. So they'd asked you to leave, had they?
3: But, yeah, because I did do some bad things in my past, and they probably just wanted to rid of me right. for a little while. Yeah, taught me a lesson. Taught me a lesson.
1: All right, Paul. Thanks for phoning. Can I
3: finish? Can I finish? Can I finish by saying where what my dream place would be to live? Go on, then. A canal boat. An old-fashioned canal boat.
1: Oh, I know
2: somebody who lives on a canal boat.
3: What I call a Rosie... Do you know what I mean, Catherine, by Rosie and Jim boat?
1: Yeah, I do.
3: Remember Rosie and Jim? I do. Yeah, I call it a Rosie and Jim boat, a canal boat, a barge. Right. That is my dream thing to live on. Okay. But if you get fed up with with being in one place, you can just take off and go anywhere else you want to, can't you?
1: You sure can. Thanks very much, yeah. Paul. I'm going to speak to Matt. Hi, Matt. Alistair, don't bother phoning in again. Uh, hello, Matt.
12: Catherine, Katie. Good evening. Hey, Hi, Matt.
1: Good to hear from you. Hi, Matt.
12: Hi. Good to hear from you. Yeah. Um, so this is uh, uh, this is such a fascinating insight in chat because. This is kind of the decisions I made in my life over the last year. I kind of became one of those mobile homeless by choice people about a year ago. Oh, how
5: all about right. that?
12: Yeah. So um, even though I was, you know, met from New York when I was calling in before, I actually moved out from New York about a year ago. I lived there for nine years doing work in the city. Uh, my father got really sick and I went back home to Cleveland, Ohio, where I'm originally from, and helped out with the last months of his life, helped my mom out with him and all of that. And then I went and had to make a decision. I said, do I want to go back to New York, um, or do I want to go do something different? Do I want to live somewhere else? And most of the people that I was friends with when I first moved there moved away from the city. Uh, A few of them are spread throughout the world in other places, but a lot of them started traveling and living in kind of mobile full time. Um, I saw I had some chats with a few of them, did a little bit of research. There's a whole community of people that do it, and I said, forget it. Let's do that because I did the thought of spending that amount of money in New York and fighting every single month just to barely survive. Yeah. While I love the city and I go back, you know, a couple of weeks out of the year for work stuff or whatever, I couldn't justify that the amount of stress and all of that anymore. Yeah. So I, I sold everything um, when I left. Uh, and then after my dad died, I, I sold most of everything. I have just a, like a box full of storage stuff, which I leave at my mom's house in Ohio where I'm from. Um now I pretty much live out of my backpack and my suitcase and this year I came here to London for a bit then I went to Toronto and Montreal I've been in Puerto Rico for a couple months throughout the summer I was in Seattle I was in Portland now I'm back here in London and then I'm debating where I'm going to spend the rest of the year
2: I'm so um, interested in how in the logistics like how do you make it work because obviously when you're traveling abroad and you're here you don't have you're not living out of a van or a, an RV right
12: right i'm not doing that i think that would be a tad bit uncomfortable yeah um i do see people that do do that and it looks fascinating but my back i I don't think my back could handle doing anything like that anymore um like when i'm here in most cities i either do um airbnb um or sometimes i know people in those communities or those cities that i've just known from other connections and they might have a guest room or uh there's house sitting opportunity so each place it depends like when i was here in london earlier this year i stayed at two different Airbnbs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm staying with at one of them again. The woman that I stayed with actually has became a friend of mine. She works in the same industry, and we had some connections, and I said I was thinking about coming back over. She said, why don't you stay at my place? Uh, the room is available if you'd like to use it. So, oh, wow. Um, is- you know, so it kind of works out that way. There's, there's different ways of being able to do the where to stay. Every once in a while, it might be a hotel here or there, or sometimes I'll travel somewhere for a project. Yeah. And if it's you know if it's a paid project I'm working on, then housing is taken care of. So it yeah. it really depends on place.
1: Airbnb though the the sort of coverage of it. I remember we tried to when Ian and I brought the show to New York, we tried to get an Airbnb, and legally it's a bit dodgy in New York, isn't it?
12: Yes, because uh, when it first opened up, a lot of a lot of it wasn't set up to properly pay the same taxes as if you were uh, staying at a hotel, and that was the big issue about
1: right. it. Because people um, so, were really up for it until they realized that we were like, doing a radio show. And then wow. all of a sudden they would back off and it would become unavailable. Yeah. I'm interested yeah, I, in
2: what, what is your industry?
12: I work in, I, I actually worked, I started in radio about 20 something years ago and I started doing some uh, TV work. Now I mostly just do content for online for podcast videos and then do my own content as well. So
2: so when you're doing projects, do they involve some of the places where you're going? Are you doing travel commentary and stuff like that?
12: Yeah, a mix of the two. Um, And then some of the projects, and I also have a bed of clients that I help work on their projects and and their content as well, and uh, I built it so that way I can pretty much, as long as I have an internet connection, be able to do what I need to do wherever I'm at, so...
2: Mm. And, and do you feel that, I mean, some, the last caller we talked to, was it Nigel, Catherine, who was talking about, um, Paul, Paul, who was, well, a couple of callers ago, the taxi driver. Oh, Simon. Simon. Um, talking about how he relished the idea of being footloose and fancy free, but I sort of feel like I would feel shiftless and, and, and not grounded, but do you feel that? But also,
1: what if something happened to you?
2: Yeah, right. Like, uh, Who would miss you? Do do you feel like uh, at all at a loss because you don't have a home base? Or do you think that that's what your mom's place in Ohio is?
12: That's a great question. And I had this conversation with my therapist last week. How ironic <laughs> that just gets brought up. Swear to God. Yeah, um, Yeah, I just put the talk radio um, phone number as my emergency contact. So I'm happy <laughs> you guys get the call. If it's the only number I really know off the top of my head. I'm like, just call them. It's fine. I'll figure it out. Um, so yes and no. Um, yeah, what's funny is that even though Ohio is my technically home base, especially for like my IDs and, you know, my legal address is all based there, Yeah. that doesn't also feel like a home base or home anymore, just because I don't really relate to my hometown. I don't really have any friends or anything there anymore. It's just more of a I go and visit, you know, mom and help out with some family stuff when yeah. I'm there and then I'm gone I'm I'm only there maybe two three months at most a year. Yeah. Um, one thing I am thinking about is, and one reason why I spend a lot of time in Puerto Rico is that I think that might actually be a home base for me. Uh-huh. There's tax reasons, but also just lifestyle choices. And I have some friends that I have moved down there. So that might be an, oppor- uh, uh, an option to kind of have somewhere where uh, it's kind of more of a home base that I'm there, not necessarily most of the year, but for, you know, a couple weeks out of the year at the same time. Yeah, I do. Like I, uh, even though I have friends now in London and I've started to get to know people and I do some stuff here, it does there are moments where I feel very lonely. I feel disconnected. Yeah. You know, you you're a foreigner in a new land. You're you're still learning stuff and yes I can connect with people and chat with people and all, but you still feel a bit uncomfortable and you you, you make an effort to try to get to know people and to chat with them and it, it still can be. I mean I definitely of uh, many times when I was in Seattle, strangely enough, there was a moment where I actually did have a bit of a breakdown right. where it just kind of hit me of I feel a bit while I love traveling and going from place to place to place it can be a bit isolated you can feel a bit lost when you do it yeah. and you have to force yourself to go out and meet people do stuff uh, like I said I have a lot of friends that also do this type of stuff so I chat with them and um, you know and, and try to get some ideas from them or just as a catch-up whatever it might be so yeah there are pros and cons it's not as if it's you don't feel, yes, you hear that term. You feel at home at the world, and in a way you do, Yeah, yeah. because you can be wherever you're at and, and feel at home, but at the same time, yeah, there are there are definitely moments of loneliness and just, you know, you kind of want to go somewhere and go, hi, I'm lonely, I need friends, someone want to talk to me? I mean, yeah. I do have those moments for sure. Yeah, and, or, for,
1: or for someone to notice you're not where you were. You know, for example, if, if you come home late or something, or, you know, if, my neighbours are not in my pocket, but they would certainly notice if something was going on. You know, it's that kind right. of
2: that kind of thing but, of, but then that becomes suffocating doesn't it like if you do. If, if you don't want to if you be... don't want
1: that but but you know for example you know i have a neighbor an older guy and his wife died and everyone kind of while they're not on top of him everyone's making sure that he's you know milk and he's taken yeah, in it's, and his bins there's an up. infrastructure yeah, people, right. yeah it, it takes a village it, idea yeah yeah
2: it's
12: almost as if people sometimes do get too suffocated i noticed that with the last place i lived in new york i loved my neighborhood and i still talk to my old neighbor's And I stay there when I go back uh, every once in a while back to the city. Um, And I kind of get back into it. I see everybody. We go drinking. We chat. We catch up and all. But at the same time, you realize that you're – I'm trying to expand my bubble. I'm one of those Americans that grew up never really traveling, that really never got to learn the world. And now I'm doing that. I'm forcing myself to go out to get out of my bubble to understand and learn and connect in different ways. That's great. That's kind of one of the reasons why I'm doing this. Yeah. And because – where I, even in New York, you're in such a you can be in such a small little isolated bubble where, yes, it's great that you all know your neighbors and everyone's keeping an eye on each other. But at the same time, that can be dangerous if you stay too long in that it's oh, yeah. suffocating.
1: Yeah. People so start taking you for granted. One, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know yeah. exactly what you mean.
2: And And do you feel that it's a trend, Matt, like that more and more people are doing what you're doing, like you're seeing evidence of it amongst the people you meet around the world? Oh, more and
12: more. Um, Southeast Asia is a hotbed right now, and it's actually kind of a controversial topic because it can be very cheap to live over there. But at the same time, there's a lot of uh, human rights issues then, Um, problems of Westerners coming and and staying in a city and kind of making some changes a bit. Uh, I have another friend of mine who's a best-selling author in New York. He's done very well for himself, written a couple of New York Times best-selling books. He just sold everything and is now traveling. He's in Iceland right now. He was in Europe just a little bit ago. He's going back to Southeast Asia. He just kind of got bored, too, and went, why do I want to keep paying all this rent when I can go and you know do something different, explore things a little bit? And he's probably going to stop after a year or two and maybe find somewhere else at that point. But more and more, I see a lot of people asking about it, making making the decision and doing it, because it can be actually – at points cheaper than having a place in a big city yeah and I th- how it works out that way
2: and it does seem from what you're saying it, um i'm intuiting that you are actually gathering a community i mean a virtual one anyway because uh, you you are establishing friends all over the world and like you said there's people in puerto rico that you might be you know joining at a certain
1: stage Well, and also now the way we communicate with each other you're right. never that far apart really are you? Yeah. you can whatsapp each other skype all that sort of stuff you you know we talk to each other i talk to my friends that live around the corner most of my phone so wh- what difference does it make where they are you know yeah yeah
12: so, right and i kind of like having that the, i like having people in different places it's it's weird because I, I flew in last monday and since i've been here i've seen more people from my hometown of cleveland where i'm from in london than i have in the last year or two when i spent time back there helping out with family stuff right Just because they were visiting here uh, two families live here now for work they're here for a couple of years on projects so when you travel you end up seeing people actually more than you do maybe sometimes in just you know your hometown and your bubble because people yeah. just get stuck in their routines and all when you're going to different places you're meeting those people or seeing people you might not have seen in years and it's it, it's it's fascinating how that just kind of works out that way
1: how cool i bet they're the more interesting people as well from home aren't they oh very much so. <laughs> yeah <laughs> matt so good to speak to you phone us again won't you
12: I will do that. You ladies have a great night. Dick, thanks,
1: yeah, thanks. I can't wait to see where you are next. When I was a kid, there was a thing called Fraggle Rock and there was Uncle Travelling Matt. i got a feeling that he's a bit like that. <laughs> 0344-499-1000 if you want to give us a ring. We've got Nigel and Jerry, but you know you could be on that list too. And we'll get to you as quick as we can. 0344-499-1000.
0: The Late Night Alternative with Catherine Boyle. You never know just where the conversation will take you the- on Talk Radio.
1: For example, we've had a text message through from Ian and this sounds like a very familiar voice to me. K and K, is there such a thing as full temporal simultaneity? Somewhere in time, is it still the eighties with Madonna the talk of the town? Or do you think time marches on relentlessly? Ian.
2: Um well in my mind the the eighties is now. I mean I can go <laughs> I can go
1: there and live there. But do you think that there is oh, I think what he's are saying is I don't really know what he's saying like other the dimensions where it's
2: oh you mean like uh, string theory and parallel universes all that crap mu- this multiverse. is the sort of thing that Ian's
1: into which I, I think this is why this is probably Ian right
2: um sure I mean uh, I like those uh this th- there's been a few movies r- in the last few years you know like the spacey ones where like they're doing a slingshot thing like the spaceship goes out and boings back and then it's like people you know they're stuck behind the cupboard or something go for the watch I, I don't know what what am I talking about interstellar was that the one like I'm behind the bookshelf um but they got trapped it's like um I think what I'm saying is that it, you could travel between time and dimensions but then you get it's like a um Clog in a drain behind a hairball.
1: If there was time travel, wouldn't we know by now?
2: Wouldn't we know like we'd see a younger version of ourselves it or it would be
1: obvious? It, wouldn't it be obvious? Um, someone would have made a, someone would have slipped up and shown themselves.
2: Yeah, like people are too dumb. Like, people, whenever the thing that I don't get about conspiracy theories, like, oh, there's this whole conspiracy that you know people are pulling strings and such and such is happening, or there really are aliens amongst us. People always want to blab and show off and gossip, so no one can keep a secret. So
1: I believe the alien thing.
2: Why do you believe the alien thing? What you mean, like there, like Area Fifty One and all that kind of stuff?
1: Not necessarily that specific, um, but I believe that. I mean, it's more probable than not, isn't it, that there are aliens and that they.
2: Yeah, but maybe they can't. I mean, I'm sure. But we they, don't know how
1: big they are. They might be tiny.
2: They might be tiny. They might be living in my eyelash because there's eyelash mites. Did yes. you know about this? I was oh my god! This just disgusted. To re- they this holiday, at, I
1: have had more. Oh, God, I've I've learned what? more about knits than anything else in the world. I used to think that you, I, I used to wonder whether you would be able to see knits and whether I'd be able to spot them. I was yeah. checking my ha- kids' hair all the time and yeah. thinking, am I missing them? You know when they've got them. Oh, they're just like, God.
2: Bam, bomb, bomb. They God came
1: home, they had boots on. Yeah. They came home from school with knits. Yuck. And it's taken, it took us about th- three weeks to get rid of them.
2: Yeah. 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 But what about this thing I was reading about regarding um, your eyelash mites that, um, They're boy eyelash mites and girl eyelash mites. And then the boy ones come out at nighttime and crawl over your face because they're looking for the girls. They all live in the cells or like they live in the pores is what I'm trying to say in your eyelashes. And then the boys are like, let's get some, ladies. And then they go and like burrow into the pores where the ladies are and reproduce. But they apparently... Can't um, they have no way to dislodge n- night soil? So they can't poo poo, and so therefore it just when they die, they explode. They explode and poo in in your um, in your pores. Wow, that is
1: a charming image.
2: So please clean your face often. God. I think I'm not using the right technical term. But I think maybe pretty...
1: they're going to take that doctor off you. Okay, but but
2: it's the basic facts are correct. <laughs> they're <laughs> don't think. But I don't know how that compares to multiverses. And can we go back in time and make sure that um, you know Michael Bolton didn't happen? Or oh I... no,
1: Michael Bolton certainly needed to happen. Okay. I think he, I, I will have no okay. words, bad words, sent against him. Right. Hello, Nigel. Oh, hi, Catherine. Hey, what's going uh, on? Hello, Katie. Hi, Nigel. Um,
13: uh, you're on again, we're, we're on again you're yes. on? on again, yeah we're on So, uh, what time
1: is it now Catherine it's cu- about 9 minutes to, to midnight
13: oh, so I've got time for a song before 12 then, well
1: yeah, what if what I kind of course. song unless it's American Pie,
13: so I wanted to do um, mm-hmm. Carrie Fergus for my mum in a while you know the one I did before Okay, okay. Uh, but I got kind of rung up to talk about, um, today I went to um, register my mum's death certificate which was oh. a bit odd you know, yeah but, and there was quite a bit to do. You have to tell them quite a lot about you, your father as well, and how he died as well. Really? Yeah. They wanted to know where my father worked and how old he was and what, you know, uh, all his history as well as my mum's.
1: Huh. Shouldn't they be able to tell you all that stuff, the records
13: people? I mean, they probably know anyway, don't they? Yeah. I, I wonder... The the,
1: I guess they're checking but,
2: yeah, they're, uh, it, to make sure got, you are who you say you yeah. are. Yeah.
13: I got some photocopies,
2: you good, know,
13: good. Um to, to send to the council and that to get and and, for, and to uh, get bills reduced and stuff. And
1: oh yeah, that'll be good.
13: Because how... you need, you have to have a photocopy to prove that your mum has died. Yeah. Because right. no one believes you, do they?
1: Well, no, they can't just believe you, can they? So no, you if you want to proof. change bank stuff, yeah, you need to. So so I've got a lady coming
13: tomorrow to sort out the um put the paperwork on things and, and 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 try and get the um the the, the burial sorted as well. Right. So it's quite a bit for me to, to do, but uh, but and today was the, the worst day of my life, honestly. Um,
5: oh,
13: but you know, asking questions of what my mum died of and stuff, and yeah, and, um, it, it it was it was quite a difficult thing to do, but I managed it okay anyway.
1: Oh. Well done. You know, she'd be really yeah. proud of you for all you're yeah. managing to do.
13: Yeah, and I I've been I've been cooking. For, I did shepherd's pie tonight. Blimey. <laughs> Yeah, I cooked it in the oven. Well, it was one of those takeaway ones. <laughs> oh, oh, right, <laughs> OK. okay. <laughs> you know, you'll just, you just take the top off and you warm it up. It takes ages to cook, though. Yeah. It took about an hour and a half to get to get cooked properly. Did it? Yeah, and, you... uh, and it was only a few spoonfuls when I had it.
1: <laughs> did you? <laughs> you
13: know, oh, it was... well,
1: as long as you had it in the end, I'm not going to ask yes, any no, questions, I but I think all. you it's might have...
13: Potato did... and meat, you know. Yeah. Uh, 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 no cottage pie what I'm on about cottage pie
1: alright but it no, shouldn't but, take an hour and a half
13: Nigel well, it's going at least on an hour. it must have took at least an hour because if you, if you was if it frozen if you, if you, pardon was it frozen
1: yeah the frozen okay, ones,
13: yeah. Oh. ones So they take longer don't yeah, they yeah yeah you so got there's gotta make lots sure. of yeah, I'm, I'm, there's lots of different meals I had um um what did I have a, a, a Sunday dinner a roast dinner the same way that was alright the roast dinner yeah,
1: you're getting to be the master of the ready meal
13: <laughs> yeah and so um and I, I buy pudding i buy um trifles i like so i buy a box of trifles they're nice yeah With
1: you need a treat yeah
13: you need a little treat at at and the end of the they're day quite, they're quite uh fattening too aren't they oh um, you don't have to worry about that though you're super no, fit cycle. exactly I'm cycle, i'll probably burn a lot of it off don't i yeah, yeah.
1: and all that pumping that, iron
13: that um my friend's just gone back uh a friend at uh, uh, a very really dear friend of mine, a man about 65, um, he's just gone back to Las Vegas for three months to work because he's a palm reader. I've told you about him before, haven't
1: I? You haven't told me about him before, oh, I've Nigel. i told you, in, I think. He's a uh, palm reader? Well, Brian
13: Brian Gunn is his name. He's a very famous palm reader, but the only one in um, Las Vegas, I would think. Wow. And, and he goes to these um, quite posh hotels and does parties. And Well, he's in one particular hotel. He didn't tell me the name of it, but he's there for three months. And and then he works in London, Brighton. He works all over the place in England as well. Did he
2: read your palm?
13: Yes, yeah, so, yes. Yeah, so I saw him about twenty years ago, and he said I had a long lifeline or something on a uh, long lifeline, I hope so. Yeah. And he said I was a strong person as well. Um, oh, good. I hope so. Well,
1: he's right
13: um, there. But the worst thing to come is the funeral. I'm dreading that, but I'll probably be all right. I'm going to sing this this song for Mum at the funeral. All
5: right.
13: Because she liked this. She said. She was crying in hospital after I sang it at the pantiles in Tunbridge Wells. You know, when I I told her I'd been singing, she burst out crying.
5: Oh, Oh, blimey.
13: So that upset me as well. And I really do miss her, but what what can I do? You know, uh, it takes a long time to adjust, doesn't it?
2: It's a huge adjustment. It really is. To lose your mum, especially.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, and you live together. It's not like... It's, it's really not
13: like right. we just saw each other once a month, is it?
1: No, yeah. it's really hard, and you're doing so well, Nigel. Yeah. I'm glad you're looking after yourself I, and eating properly.
13: Well, I've got so much to do, I don't get time to, to worry so much as I'm so busy. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing. And, um, keeping the house tidy as well. That's
1: good. Um, so shall I do my song now? Go on then, yeah.
13: O'clock? Go on then,
1: quick, quick. <laughs> the wishing hour. <laughs> we've got about a minute and a half, but I'd like to hear it. Oh, here we go then.
13: Watch it.
5: Thank you. Thank you.
0: Alternative with Catherine Boyle on Talk Radio.
1: You can give us a ring. We've got another fifty-eight minutes or so. So, oh uh, three four 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 nine nine one thousand. I'm here. Katie puckrick is here. Yes, she is. She's awesome. So, why wouldn't you give us a call? Uh, Jerry's given us a ring. Hi, Jerry.
6: Hello.
1: Hey, what's going on? Hey. i like I
6: thought. Uh, I was under the hammer? Under, under the hammer? Holmes under the hammer. Yeah. yeah. In the 19th, there's one tiered property, it's always in Stoke. It's always in Stoke. So, have you noticed that? It's always in Stoke.
1: I've never noticed they're always in Stoke, but I'll keep an eye out in the future.
6: Some property is always in
1: Stoke.
6: It's got garish pink wallpaper and stuff like that. <laughs> 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 it's quite like, like true. Hey, I mean, that bloke you to canals. Did he come? Did he Because you know I come from Stoke. Yeah. Can't go, can't go, can't use the canals stoke because the egg not all shut. So you can't go through that, so you can't go anywhere. That's shut. One more thing. Yeah. I what.
1: This sounds like a stand up Jay- routine. So Jay- Jay- Jason Darwin's coming to
6: crew. Is he? Yeah, October the 3rd. Oh. Any dream will do. You. <laughs> a clash of drums. Clash. I'm going to sing to you.
1: I can hardly wait, go on. Uh,
6: no, not just stand up. I'm going to sing to Jason. <laughs> There's a, there's a lunch. There's a lunch, forty six quid, but you don't meet him. So what's
1: what's the point? Hang on a minute. So Jason Donovan is coming to Crew. Yeah. You can have lunch. It costs you forty six quid, and you won't meet him. But he's not there. He's not going to at the lunch. So what is it? What a themed lunch? Jason Donovan themes? No, don't think so. Just
6: just normal two choice, two men, two two, two two things off the menu. Oh blimey. It's, it's Crew. It's a rip off. <laughs> <laughs> It's famous for that. Timson's, Timson, that's not the most famous thing, is it? All the rest of the job is shut down. Oh. And the rest is gone. I'm on phone
1: today. Oh, we see, well, you sound jolly. I, I, I must be I must be honest. I'm getting every fourth, four, fourth or fifth word. But I'm, I'm getting three, sir. So <laughs> <a bit>.
6: Ian <laughs> <laughs> can understand me when like, I can understand myself. He does Ian does. He really understands me. And I'm thinking, look. That's it. What the am I saying? Because <laughs> <laughs> he got me down the other week. Got me really down. I'm oh, bad. No. bad. But go away again. The final one. Go away again. Up the housing, housing list. find my way against to the top of the housing list. Get down near the Parkinsons. I got straight to the top.
1: Yeah, but then they took your house off you. <laughs> yes, yeah,
6: because was, it was, it was, it was, it was I've
1: lived there for eight years. Oh, yeah, I suppose.
6: Eight years, Murad. Took on the carpet all night. We had, had to get it, open the door. Hmm. Not fun.
1: Oh, Jerry. Well, it's nice to hear your voice. It's nice to hear you sounding perky. Yeah, good.
6: Take, take, take. Bye,
2: Katie. Bye. Bye, Gerry. Bye, bye,
1: bye, bye. He's just reminded me, right, while Ian's away, he was talking about Ian and the farm, because, you know, he's bought this...
2: What? Farm. Oh, I didn't
1: know that. Was yeah, yeah. yeah, he's got a few head of cattle and All right. um, he's thinking about giving radio up for for the good life. But w- what he also has is a very, very old cat that I'm supposed to be looking after while he's away, right? Aww. And um, she's very old. She's a teenager. Do
2: you go to the house or have you brought her to your house?
1: I will go to the house. Yeah, because
2: cats don't like to be displaced. <laughs> no, and she's only just moved to the farm so um,
1: to, to be with him so you know obviously too much messing her around she's yeah. not gonna, not gonna like butter Especially, on the
2: paws that's what they say to keep the cats from running away is that right yeah it's supposed to distract them because they're licking their paws like what the <laughs> f- <laughs> and they look and then they don't run away
1: oh right well it's, it's worth bearing in mind yeah. but yeah I'm gonna go over there and I spoke to him today and I said do you think I should go i'll go and see uh, he, he said what, what are you doing i said i'm on my way out i'm gonna go and feed the cat and he said no she doesn't need feeding for till wednesday what he's got a timer he's got like a cat feeder on a timer like something from wallace and gromit yeah that's but funny. i said won't she get bored he said no i said I... well i bought her a tunnel you know like one of those springy <gasps> out cat tunnel things oh, he you're said, oh she hasn't played with one of those for years i went well, well. Well, maybe today is the day. See, I like your approach,
2: which is holistic and actually humane, unlike Ian, who seems to just have a pet on a timer i mean he's like the pet equivalent of that man that put controls in his hands yeah. that we were talking about earlier yeah remote
1: control he does love that cat but why doesn't he
2: just get a robot cat if that's how he's going to treat the cat a
1: bit like now, but she, she's yeah. old She like and she does love him and what's his her name the cat velvet. velvet velvet and she's a black cat very skinny oh an old old lady but she's great and i met her last week or the week before velvet. And we get on fine. And I'm going to go over there, really, just to get away from my kids. I'm going to go over there and yeah. stroke someone else's cat.
2: Yeah, you're like, kids, this is really important. It's uh, an animal, an elderly animal needs me. But I am slightly concerned. What,
1: what, if she, what if she pops her clogs while I'm looking after her?
2: Oh, I know. Isn't that always the worry? Guess what? That happened to me. No, stop it. Yes. I was house-sitting slash cat-sitting for very, very dear friends. And the um they have two cats and one of them just took a turn oh god kidneys packed in and uh it was time to take a dirt nap it was time it was time to you know get that shot the sleepy time shot um and so you didn't just find it uh no you had to make a decision i had to make a decision but i well i i didn't make the decision entirely on my own i took took her to the vet the vet said this is it's curtains. It's curtains for pom pom, and so then I called. called pom pom. Yes, pom pom, and I loved. I just loved her. I loved her and her brother Bambi, both of them. And they're both in Kitty Heaven right now. But um, where Velvet will be joining them
1: shortly. Um, Hopefully not in uh, the next week.
2: Not in the next week, but yeah. But there was that phone call. Oh, it was dreadful to call the the owners and just say, look, here's the situation you know there's really no hope and i'm just letting you know and then you know sobs all around and then i had to go and in fact i was glad to be there at least to be there to say goodbye to keep her company yeah. and but finding a you know mortarboard cat um is a different you know stiffo option that yeah not appealing. That,
1: that's what i'm worried about i don't want to leave it till wednesday i might go tomorrow
2: check-in yeah just for your own peace of mind and also yeah what if the the buzzer goes on the fritz with the the automatic cat feeder
1: and also they also she's in the house on her own yeah yeah i mean there's i don't know cats very well maybe she doesn't give a toss but
2: well they sleep a lot like they sleep they're happy to sleep 23 hours a day apparently but you know at least for that one hour it's nice to see a friendly face like yours another human
1: (laughs) Although I'll probably go in there feeling all humane and and, and saintly and she'll look at me like, what the hell are you doing here?
2: Yeah, she'll be like your your fake grandpa. You're disrupting my rigid routine (laughs) of
1: sleeping. and go in there and she's got the remote control in her hand. What? Yeah, what? I'm watching (laughs) Countdown.
2: Make it snappy. When are you leaving?
1: (laughs) Yeah, when are you leaving? (laughs) Well, I am slightly concerned. I'm slightly concerned. It's good good to be concerned
2: because you're a responsible individual. You're conscientious. There's a
1: reason I don't have any pets because I know that they're hardcore yeah, hard hardcore. work
2: it is. No, but they give it's love. I mean, it's I. I saw a friend in Los Angeles who confessed to me that when Rodrigo, her Lhasa Apso, died suddenly of a tumor um, a couple of months ago, she found it harder than when her parents passed. She found it harder. Wow. And she loved her parents. You know, it wasn't like the, you know there was any estrangement, but just that level of. I mean, the pets with you day in and day out, and you probably superimpose a personality on them that perhaps they don't have or a level of interest in your life that they certainly yeah. don't have but um it is almost like a projection oh, of you like my, a-
1: my sister's cat was her absolute pride and joy but before she had kids, she, she she thought she thought she might not be able to have children so she made this into her baby this this right. cat and um, he died about six months ago. That cat hated me. It was my nemesis. Oh. He used to hang out for me on the stairs and swipe at me. Oh. And then no one would believe me. It was like one of those Disney cats, yes. right? It's like all oh, sweetness and light to everyone else. But yeah. then when they corner you on your own, then it, the truth comes out. He used oh. to swipe at my face. Wow. Yeah. And be like, and I would say, I'd say to my sister, "Gone for me again? I don't believe you."
2: Yeah, like um, look at the little thing. <laughs> <laughs> he
1: knew Elvis. He was yeah. called. Oh,
2: Elvis! Yeah, he hated my guts. He's dead. It's he hated fine. my
1: guts. Yeah, so I'm not. I'm not sad about it. Yeah. But my sister is. Yeah, it's very sad. To the point where my mum's got one of those big Russian furry hats, same oh. colour as he was, and all over Christmas we had to keep moving it because um, it was triggering my sister. That is too
2: funny. Yeah, we've uh, taxidermied Elvis. (laughs) He's just over there. He's just over there. We thought it'd be a nice gesture to help you come to terms with it all. Some people do taxidermy their pets. Is Uh, that a good decision or is that maybe just too much of a good
1: thing? Ian talks about um, stuffing velvet quite a lot. He said he he wants to have her curled up at the end of the sofa. I think it's horrible a horrible idea, don't you?
2: I don't know. They get a little you know, it depends on the quality of the, the craftsmen who do who make it who do yeah. the taxidermy, but they can look a little patchy and a little hinky-jinky
1: after a while i don't
2: know how comforting it is
1: and sometimes i think the faces they get the faces a bit wrong
2: The faces are wrong just get it you know what there's a lot of homeless cats out there give them a
1: lovely Mm. home and some love take a beautiful picture while they're alive
2: and just give pet them stop and smell the roses smell their tummies their their tummy fur i'm definitely going over there tomorrow do it
1: definitely right what were we talking about earlier on because we we had loads of stuff to. oh yeah so i
2: wanted to talk to you about ants
1: Oh yeah. And you reckon some ants are lazy.
2: Yeah, ants are lazy. So they're so scientists are trying to they're trying to figure out how to make robots efficient because basically as you know, as the man who replaced his hand with, you know, a remote control button Um, we are going to all be replaced by robots. So scientists want to make sure the robots who are replacing all of us are the best and do what they do really well. But what they've discovered when they have uh, worker bee robots is that when, like, a 100 robots are sort of rushing around to do stuff, they get in traffic jams. Um, And so what they did was, you know, because it's like they're all rushing to do the task, Um, much like humans all on a highway trying to get to a destination, the same destination, and then there's a clog, So they thought, hmm, let's look at ant colonies because there seem to be quite a lot of ants in there and they're all doing things. They're very efficient and you see them excavating their ant nests and, you know, shifting stuff around and dragging food in and dragging dead predators out and, you know, busy, busy, busy. Well, turns out not quite as busy as you would have thought. Turns out that 30% of ants in a community do 70% of the work.
1: Wow! So the other uh, so all this bullshine about every ant counts. Yeah, the, yeah, and,
2: and and like making us, you know, humans feel all bad because you know that like, story, of
1: the grasshopper and the ant, where right the grasshopper got taught a lesson because yeah. the ants had all made provisions for the winter for the
2: winter. Well, it turns out thirty percent of ants were making provisions for the winter, and seventy percent were just. Jerking around. (laughs) And it turns out that this is the most efficient way to do it. Because if 100% of the ants were rush, rush, rushing to do X, Y, and Z, they clog up the works and and it doesn't actually get done. So um, no hard feelings. The 30% are apparently, as far as we know, happy to do the work. Because then what they did was, they they marked these ants like they sort of painted on their abdomens. And and so they had these kind of like Burning Man looking you know, glitter ants. And they took out, they're like, okay, these ants with the green and blue on them, they are working really hard. We're going to get rid of them. Took them out of the equation. Turns out the other ants who were slacking off stepped up to the
1: plate. Ah, right, okay.
2: And there's like no problem. But the hierarchy is like, okay, oh, Bob isn't here to do like the, the heavy lifting so i will so it's no problem so they um it turns out that a little bit of well timed laziness is does actually contribute to a situation so
1: what actually is happening is they're working smart
2: yeah they're working smart and and they're trying to they're looking at that in designing robots but i kind of related to that because i used to work when i first moved to london many years ago i worked at manpower and i did all this temp work i popped up in offices with my ludicrous um like really high brush straight up bangs and bright red hair and crazy clothes. And um, I would be doing data entry or working as a secretary in an office. And um, I was good at my job. I enjoyed typing. And uh, we all all the worker bees would go to the entry and take a handful of stuff. And I'd always finish first. So the other typists would get all mad at me because then I had time to relax. I put my feet up on the desk, open a magazine. Uh, maybe use the photocopy machine to make some little extracurricular <laughs> copies from my incipient pop music career. Um, but they were all mad. I was doing my part of the work. I don't know what they... I, and I refused to do busy work. So I don't know. I, I wasn't really sure. I guess I should have done busy work to make people you know, not resent me, but I can't help it if I'm fast and good at my job.
1: Exactly. If you're organized and no one else is, I used to get the same thing because I was the only kid in my year that was doing Spanish. I used to have a lesson. My Spanish lesson was me and an old lady. And, um, and so I was in class when they were all like not. And then when they were in class, I was out in the common room doing all my homework. So when they did see me, I always had my feet up. Right. But that's just because what well, my I, am going to sit here twiddling my thumbs we waiting for you lot to turn up. No, I'm going to do, get my work done and then we can right. then we can play.
2: Isn't that funny how that makes, makes people all mad? I read a story, you know, Saturday Night Live, the yeah. iconic comedy show in America. Um, Larry David, uh, he of The Larry David Show, was a writer on SNL for a little while. And he incurred the wrath of Lorne Michaels, the uh, iconic producer of the show, um, because he, Larry David, would very methodically work out his sketches, you know, cross the T's, dot the I's, finish the work, turn it in, and then just be at the elevator, Banks, at, you know, 5.30 on the dot, like, did my work, and the culture at SNL, at that time and probably now was no, you stay till one, two, three in the morning on the Friday before the Saturday Night Live, and so Lauren Michael saw it. Well, a lot of it was
1: sort of cocaine fueled. It field, was coca- I mean?
2: cocaine fueled as well, but it was like a thing where you're like there, you're just there. It's like part of the you know the writers, the writers' room, and so Lauren saw him at the lift and just said, uh, "What? Where do you think you're going? I'm home. I'm going home." Larry David says, "I've did my work." No, that's not right. So I I don't know. That's a
1: but, I think if you're a writer or anything like that, you know I've done jobs like this right for example, when I first started presenting shows on um b b c local radio because I was staff, I used to really get their money's worth out of me, so I produced the thing as well, yeah, so i I would have done all my um set up myself I would have pre interviewed all the guests blah blah I was in there from like eleven o'clock till eight o'clock at night right yeah. because I was doing a drive time show. I had no life. Yeah, I had nothing to say for, about anything. Well, that's I had no thing. opinions. I was having no experiences. I had no stories to tell. Right. Yeah, you have With to get out in the stuff, world. You need to be out and living, don't yeah, you? Yeah, you
2: have to be out and living. That, that's a funny. I mean, television as well, very exploitive industry, and um, you know they just expect you to be there. But really, you're no good to anyone if you can't if you can't bring fresh experience. Yeah. So
1: something from outside work. Yeah. So
2: also known as slacking off. <laughs> also known it's just living and breathing in the outside world god
1: yeah i can't remember the last time i just lay on the sofa and did nothing well
2: you were trying to weren't you just now for the last two weeks with your staycation i know kids do not
1: don't appreciate it no they're not
2: they're not participating in that concept with you
1: no but tell you what was cool i was hanging out with ki with my kids like all day long and not having anywhere else to be not having to watch the clock and stuff. and were they
2: strangers to you now nah they're cool I mean, it turns out
1: they're very tolerant and they um they didn't ask me for ID or anything when no, I first okay. arrived but, okay. but no they, they appreciate it yeah. and I still think you know my parents gave me um earache about not going away this year I don't think it necessarily matters where you take your kids as long as you spend the time with them that is the thing yeah spending
2: the time with them and they and you were saying that in fact you were discovering that they're pretty good company
1: they're really fun they've got because now they're my eldest is about to turn 10 and my youngest is about to turn seven and they're hilarious. They're like a little mini French and Saunders, you know, the way they talk to each other because you know they hang out with each other a lot and maybe not so much relying on me. Right. If I'm there, the little one always wants to sit with me, and they, and I tend to be the focus of attention because they, they they're vying for you know.
2: Well, you're a novelty. Yeah,
1: but when you just we just hang out the three of us or the four of us as it was over the last couple of weeks, they're fun. They're fun, and the way they talk to each other. My youngest was having this as it often happens turns into um fighting with those two verbal sparring and uh the eldest was saying your attitude sucks and she's been watching a lot of uh youtube your attitude sucks my attitude's fine you've got an attitude i haven't got an attitude you have got an attitude i haven't got an a- actually yeah i've got an attitude that was the youngest
2: that's hilarious <laughs> at
1: seven she recognizes that fact
2: yeah i like it
1: and i whispered to her and i went tell you what i'll tell you a secret i've got an attitude too
2: <laughs> but they're
1: fun you know and I don't it was hard to switch off for the first week I've got to be honest and my sleep pants were all over the place but it was great it was great to spend some time with them for two yeah. weeks but I am knackered
2: yeah you're knackered now <laughs> You're, and plus you had to go on the rickety roller coaster and the, that and monorail, like, the monorail, the, the Flintstones. What kind of pervert invented that? That is like some kind of health and efficiency situation. They should
1: warn you not to go on with someone who is not able to pull their own weight or at least reach the pedals. Yeah, it's it's
2: a, well, it's a metaphor for society.
1: She was the ant. She was the wrong ant and she I was, was the, the r- right ant. Yeah,
2: you were the 30%. She was the 70%. <laughs> hey,
1: have you heard the thing about the um, black sarcophagus? what there's loads of people on twitter talking about how they want to drink the juice oh, from the sarcophagus i know, I know right? about the sarcophagus juice right so do you know what's happened with the latest thing they've they've, no. they've worked out who's in them so there's more than one there's three the remains of three different people it's in like there. a slush puppy yeah and they're humans that's it and they're all kind of slurping around in um like this sarcophagus juice that they reckon is probably mostly um sewage
2: Wait, from their own personal sewage pipe? No, I think there might have been
1: some sort of seepage. Oh,
2: seepage. External
1: seepage, which no no. one wants.
2: Internal to external and back to internal. Don't drink that. It's red. What's the... The red is looking quite appetizing, though. It's like there it is nestled between skulls.
1: I'm looking at the interior of this sarcophagus. Ju- it looks an awful like like what was in the envelope that I got sent by my stepgranddad. That's what I'm
2: saying. He's sending you sarcophagus juice. <laughs> I should have eaten it. Yeah, slurp it up. Get that straw out. <laughs> giving me the power. Is that like jelly? It looks like a party tree. It's thick. Delicious. Here's
1: what it's about. Three skeletons have been found inside a black granite sarcophagus Mm -hmm. uncovered in the Mediterranean city of Alexandria in July. I love it. Nadia Kida from um, Egypt's Antiquities Ministry revealed the skeletons belonged to a woman in her early 20s, a man in his late 30s, and a man in his late 40s. Some party. Mm -hmm. The female was relatively short, measuring between five foot three inches and five foot five that's not short that's not short
2: A three inches taller than I am give me a break how can they be taller in sarcophagus days
1: that's not right I think they might have shrunk in the um- all right And the youngest male was only marginally bigger. The eldest of the skeletons is also by far the largest, measuring an impressive six feet tall. Oh, I'm impressed. One of the males had a small hole in the back of his head. Ah. Originally thought to be an arrow wound, but researchers now think it's the result of a surgical intervention. Oh, yeah. Trepanning. Trepanning, yeah. And the person lived for some time after the drastic procedure. Yeah, you got a hole in your head. Releases pressure and swelling and was thought to uh, rid the person of any evil spirits lurking inside them. Sure. And they're marbles, if you get it wrong. Yeah, right. It's believed the bodies were buried on two different occasions as every skeleton was found on top of one another. Mmm, cozy. my God. It's like a sandwich. Death sandwich. Mustafa Waziri, head of the Supreme Council of Antiquities, said the researchers also discovered small gold plates wrapped in elaborate artwork alongside the remains. Mm. The artwork is believed to indicate military rank and could prove that the individuals were Egyptian soldiers.
2: Even the lady...
1: Red fluid and sewage water festered in the 2,000-year-old sarcophagus and caused a social media sensation. (laughs) The ministry says the liquids likely accelerated the rate of decomposition and then it's now being studied in greater detail.
2: Because they could probably learn as much from the liquid as they could from the skeletons. Yeah, I know, right? Like, you know, what are people eating? What are their diets? That's what they find. Like, when they find old teeth, they can find little bits of meat and...
1: We went, to this, we went to the we went to the Museum in York. Have you heard of this? It's, no. it's a Viking museum, and as we were waiting in the queue, which was lengthy, mm. this woman came along with like an usherette um, tray of goodies for us to look at. Yeah, amongst them, some Viking poo, and you could see what they'd been eating. You could see there was like um, there were like old sort of rabbit bones in there. And um, bits of corn and stuff. That's a good diet. Delicious. Not the poo, but... Although apparently they suffered quite a lot with their... um, Constipation? Yeah.
2: Oh, because they weren't getting enough fiber? I'm guessing.
1: Yeah. I'm guessing. So, yeah,
2: Vikings. So, so, um, the sarcophagus in in Alexandria, uh, this liquid, are they saying that normally when they crank open, pry open a, a mummy's tomb, there isn't a delicious broth?
1: Bays. I believe that. I believe that's the thing. That's the difference so that's, with this. And also that excited. these three decomposed bodies
2: Like, were they were they mummified but then they decomposed because they were in the, yeah.
1: the poo Boulia Yeah, bays. that's what they reckon, that this stuff, this, this soup has um, made them...
2: Was the soup, was some of it them and some of it was from flotsam and jetsam That's from what, the that's what they're analysing now. Yeah. Bet my they, god. But it's like they have to just sift out the, the gold nuggets from the Whatever the other nuggets are.
1: Why does this always get dark with you and me? Uh, well, it, especially after midnight, it's fun. I
2: don't know. It's interesting. It's a, you know, it is just like the bare, but it's the it's the ingredients of humanity. Yeah. It's it's like from dust to dust. I think that's why people are you know in Hollywood where I just was for two weeks. One of the biggest tourist attractions is the Museum of Death. Oh, really? It's, it's on Hollywood Boulevard, and I actually know about it personally because uh, many years ago, when I had a show, a TV show, on Oxygen Network in in Los Angeles, we did a segment on it, and I just couldn't believe that, you know, 15 years later, the place is still going, and it turns out it's a big tourist attraction, and they have everything from uh, autopsy, you know, Victorian autopsy tables to crime scene photographs, which are pretty grisly and oh, include, God. like, you know, the Manson killings, yeah. um, to like mass uh, cult suicides uh, where people have all taken, you know, drunk the Kool-Aid, and they've, you know, they're in their bunk bunk beds, ready to go to the to the rapture, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's uh, some things are just sort of interesting in a historical fashion, and other things are just downright gory, like horrible roadkill pictures of people being smushed. You know, like half of a person looking like a hamburger on a highway. And um, I remember asking the man who cur- curated the museum and uh, led the tours why he would do such a thing, because I was aghast. You know, it's it's of course you have this prurient interest like "Ooh, what does a mushed up person look like but then it's just gasoline you can't get it out of your head and you can't yeah. sleep um but he claimed and he had this great uplifting bubbly demeanor like if he were your m- you know middle school science teacher you'd be so happy and he said it just makes me feel glad to be alive well
1: surrounded by death right in the victorian times didn't they used to have on their desks to make them work their asses off basically they'd have these what they call memento moris correct so it would be a, a, a skull it, a skull, or it would be half of a beautiful woman's face and then it, the rest of it was revealing the skull underneath yeah, the, so it was painting. kind of remember that this is all of us we're all mortal we've only got a finite time to live in I
2: guess that's a healthy thing to get it in perspective
1: they just, were kind of obsessed I weren't mean, they
2: They they didn't they have the thing of like oh no baby died Ugh, never mind just dress him up and pose him for a photograph they like, did used
1: to take pictures
2: of the dead people I learn
1: a lot of my history from horrible histories that my kids make me watch oh, it's right. an amazing program Oh, is it? It sounds like the sort of thing that that guy at the museum oh, yeah. would have made. Yes. And Victorians didn't name their kids until they got to about seven or eight, because they thought there's probably no point. Don't commit.
2: You don't want to commit. It, what do you call them, like thing or son or daughter? Sunny?
1: <laughs> a girl child? Sometimes a number. A
2: number. Number three?
1: Yeah. And, they, and people moan about um, funny names these days. There were kids called all kinds of things, like... I'm not even joking. Things like, you know, teaspoon and... Oh yeah, lettuce and
2: lettuce is a pretty good name. It t- it trips off the tongue.
1: Oh, I didn't know that
2: though. And also, but they're not naming. But then they also loved. Um, they're very sentimental about dead people. So then they would, uh, you know, have the hair jewelry, yeah. the woven hair. But of course, now we can do that thing of turning them into a diamond. A diamond, grandma can turn into a
1: diamond. Or rust
2: in your envelope. Oh, my God. I can't stop thinking
1: about that envelope. Yeah. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. If you don't ring us, we'll just carry on like this. Yeah, you're in trouble. The
0: Late Night Alternative with Catherine Boyle. Speech Radio with a difference. Talk Radio.
1: Just talking about how macabre things were in the Victorian times, but people still do portraits, you know, of, of babies that pass. Do they? Yeah, yeah. I've, I know people that have had them. It's something that they give you in hospital so that even if you can't deal, you know, it helps you deal with it in the long term. Yeah, I guess, I mean,
2: it makes sense because... Because that's your child, Yes, yeah, that's your child, yeah. Um, I have no no input on that particular...
1: But the macabre...
2: I'm not being a mother. Never stops. I'm not... uh, But then again, um, yeah, I guess... Especially with a baby, you can't. It's not like you can go down to the shelter. Well, you could go to the shelter. You could go down and to the orphanage. Just pick up another one. Well, in the
1: in the Victorian times, they didn't have high expectations of um, mortality, so I guess I don't know. They just they seem to have, in some ways, a lot more of. um, Well, they faced facts. Yeah, yeah. That I suppose they had to.
2: Yeah, there was no cushioning from the
1: harshness of reality. Do you want some more facts? Loch Ness monster found. What do you reckon? Again? Shocked tourist captures 20-foot object lurking in the highlands. Ladies and gentlemen, it seems like finally the the mystery is completely solved. In this bizarre video taken from the shores of Loch Ness in the Scottish Highlands, says the Daily Star, a long black object appears to breach the surface of the water. Uh-oh. It then appears to travel across the loch at startling speed. The clip was posted to YouTube by an unnamed user. Hmm. Immediately. Hoaxy, folksy. Who wrote? I lay back sunbathing with a friend on the beach, having lots of laughs. And then, as the day went on, we looked at the water and saw something unusual. It looked about twenty feet long and kept going up and down, up and down. Huh? So I turned my camera video. We couldn't believe what we were seeing. It came right round, as you can see in the video, and then passed to the right of us in the water, where I could no longer see it. It was actually amazing. Whatever it was, it was big. So put your name to it if it's true.
2: Yeah, I don't know. And also, do people really go and hang out on the beach of Loch Ness? Is I don't it know. is it that kind of environment? Or
1: I thought it was just blokes with like binoculars that went with out binoc- there.
2: <laughs> blokes with binoculars. What was that pervy? Um, we were watching some weird reality show that I've never seen in my life, and it had a pervy guy in it that everybody knew was a creep. Um, uh, what was that one? Big Brother. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, interesting that there's always, you know, the bloke with the binoculars or there's always the one designated creeper. Um, and that show had it.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Maybe more than one. I don't know, but he certainly is, um, getting attention for it.
2: Hands on. He's very hands on.
1: Do you believe that thing of some people are really tactile? Or do you think that,
2: do I believe the thing is one? Um,
1: cause I've uh heard that quote-unquote defense a number of times. Oh, I'm just really tactile. No,
2: no, no. Because um, if you're loving and, uh, I don't know, affectionate... I know who I can touch. Yeah, you know, you still have boundaries. You know, you would not... uh, Yeah, if you... The thing is, if you're loving and affectionate, you also, if you're normal or nice... You you have empathy and compassion and a sense of what's appropriate or not appropriate. Yeah. So a person who's handsy, touchy feely, and just says, "Oh, don't hate me, just because I, you know, I love people. I'm really friendly." Like he's, you know, they're turning a their vice into a, you know, some sort of fantastic selling point about themselves. So no, I don't believe that.
1: I've had experience before of people who were. This is this is the term for a space invader. Uh-huh. So that there's nothing you can, you, nothing you can say that they've nothing done. They've not touched you. Not
2: actionable. But
1: but you know that they are f- closer than they need to be. Yeah. And they're doing it on purpose. That's the mo- that's insidious. That, that stuff. That's like a control thing. Mm. As are you well. going to say anything?
2: I mean, that's also like if you saw any of the um, Trump. Clinton uh, debates where he was just hovering in her space too closely, so he's like lurking around like dawn of the dead. <laughs> that was weird, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, so much of what he did was weird. I know it's just it's it's just fun, you know. But
1: he strikes me as someone who's never been told that his behavior is inappropriate.
2: Oh, I think he was though, because his dad apparently was extremely domineering. Oh, really? Yeah, his dad was extremely horrible. So I think that went. That's why he's so such a limited individual that's why he's so damaged and so like he needs to keep going i'm fantastic and let's have another rally because right? he's telling himself yeah he needs to pop you know pop himself up but he'll say oh yeah my dad was really tough so i think both mom and dad were really withholding and i mean you know and he he took that material and really turned it into something on his own as well Oh well, god yeah but um but i don't know that he, we could call him touchy-feely unless he's handsy he's handsy yeah yeah he is definitely I don't know what I meant by that he is definitely he's handsy but
1: also no hang on a minute what about the whole thing of having to hold hands with people female politicians what's that uh he Theresa May does not strike me as the most um approachable woman in that way it's not like Who would you do that to? I can't think of anyone you well, would do it, that to anyway. And it's but- so
2: funny. And the opposite side of the coin is Melania, like, desperately slapping his hand down when yeah. he's trying to, in a showy fashion, like, oh, look, we're holding hands, just like we love each other, like the Obamas did. Uh And she's not having any of it. And they're separate bedrooms. But I, it, this it, this is one of the few occasions where I, th- I wish Margaret Thatcher were, s- were still around, because I would love to see her go toe-to-toe
1: oh my God. with Trump. Like he she might have him trying to grab her hand. T- uh,
2: she would just... He he would be she, dead. She would get a karate chop to the she, windpipe. I, karate chop was exactly the term I was going to use. There'd be like a punch in the throat. God, I don't think he'd even try it, would he? Oh, he would. He would try... Ch- oh, I heard this interesting um, uh, broadcast, uh, radio doc on... Her on how she was as a a boss. Um, it's on this thing called Archive on Four, and they cluster together all of this archive, uh, footage that they have. And apparently, she was very, she liked knocking back a a little shot of whiskey at the end of the day and kicking off her shoes and kicking back with the the boys in the cabinet. Like, she was quite feminine, quite flirty.
1: Yeah, I've heard that that she was quite flirtatious. She wasn't a, she wasn't a woman's woman. She quite liked that whole thing of, um, being the, the object of their admiration. Yeah, yeah,
2: Queen Bee. So, so that was kind of a, a interesting insight. But yeah, I think she'd have a, she'd uh, put old Don Donny Boy in
1: his place. Oh my God! Can you imagine? It'd be it'd be supreme just to see that. Yeah, it'd be so good. Let's have a look. See what we got here? Cats are awesome. I will find out whether I get to keep my sweetheart. So, oh, this is from Roger, who's had a cat hanging around at work or something he wants to keep it well i think ian had a go last week suggesting that well suggesting that he'd stolen someone else's cat
2: (laughs) (laughs) oh because the cat was so friendly like it wasn't a a feral
1: cat, and it was
2: obviously like very um socialized yeah
1: I, i had that i had a moment once with someone else's cat that sounds wrong but i used to live in a block of flats where at the end of my corridor there was this couple and there was often a really strong smell of weed coming out of their um, apartment. So, And they were there all the time. And they had this cat that they used to kick out into the um, corridor, but not open the main door. So it would just be trapped in this kind of hinterland of no, not being in the flat, but not being out enough to be able to do anything that cats like to do. Yeah. So it used to, like, scratch at my door. Oh. And it used to be there, and I used to sort of look at it, and it was very scrawny. Mm-hmm. I remember thinking, God, if this was a kid, if this was a kid, would I call... Should I call the RSPCA?
5: Yeah, and,
1: and on the occasions where they would open the door and let it out, it used to jump in through my window. And, and I, I, on a couple oh. of occasions, I found it sitting on my bed.
5: Oh So,
1: you know, if I wasn't the person I am, um, maybe I would have kept that cat. But you can't do that, can you? That's well, someone else's ca-
2: pet. Ca- well, cats are... Uh, they will adopt humans, and they will make decisions about where they want to hang out. You do hear those stories about, like, well kevin the cat disappeared for a week and then it turned out he was living in high style three doors down yeah
1: but i wouldn't be very happy if that was my cat and no like, moved in with my neighbor
2: no i mean that really there's no coming back from that that's quite a blow to one's self-esteem
1: it, yeah is this cool for us at happy tree all right no. Yes, I seem to remember there was always a little bit of a problem getting hold of him. If you want to give us a ring, oh three four we'd be glad to hear from you. I've got loads of stuff from the papers to talk about. And we, can do, we can do that, but I mean, I would prefer to hear your voices always. O- almost always. Almost. Talking about cats on beds, what about a, a, a rogue man on your sofa? A mum stunned to find a drunk stranger asleep on sofa after a man blunders into his old house.
2: Oh,
1: that old chestnut.
2: Easy mistake to make. Yeah. I, did he have the key in his, imprinted in a chip in his hand? Is that how he got in? Oh, God, I don't know.
1: How did he get in? Here it says in the sun, the mum or two got a shock of her life when she came across the drunken stranger fast asleep on her sofa. Fortunately, the mum described the man as polite, and he'd only gone there as his parents lived there two years before. He must have had a key, surely. Elaine McDade said she'd been watching TV in bed with her children on Saturday night in Glasgow when she popped downstairs for a drink. After hearing some noise in her living room, she looked through the door to discover 26-year-old Thomas Airly, an engineer from South Lanarkshire, in an alcohol-induced slumber on her couch. He'd let himself in, so yeah, he must yeah. have kept the key to the wrong house and gone to sleep on her couch, but not before taking his shoes off at the door and helping himself to a drink from the fridge. Always like Goldilocks. Elaine claims she woke the apologetic man immediately before her husband dropped him off at the nearest Asda because he couldn't remember where he lived. Oh my gosh, he was really... He was in a state. Out for the count. The dance teacher later discovered that she'd forgotten to lock the door for the first time. Uh. Ah... And Thomas had later drunkenly entered after getting a taxi there as it was his parents' former home. She said he even took his shoes off the back door. He was a polite guy. I'd just arrived back from London that night and my husband was at work. I was in bed with the kids on Saturday night and got up to make myself a drink. We were watching TV for about an hour and a half. I don't know if he was already in the house by then. Oh, my gosh. Later on, I went back downstairs and that's when I saw him fast asleep. Thomas, who'd been out with a group of friends, was happily snoozing on Elaine's corner sofa when he was woken by the homeowner. He left his friends at eleven p.m. last night. That night, blah blah blah. Obviously, absolutely mulled. Yeah, imagine
2: that's, that's benign story. That's fine. I mean, it's it's not ideal. I'd rather have a cat sleeping on my sofa <laughs> than a drunken idiot. Oh, definitely. I have a story though. A friend of mine, Guy Pratt, uh, the euphoniously named Guy Pratt, who's a very very talented session bass player and he's played with everyone from Pink Floyd to David Bowie and Michael Jackson and he played the bass on Madonna's like a prayer all right and um he grew up in this neighborhood right down the street on the cut his parents who both were actors and worked in theater had a their home was uh, apartment on on the cut in fact his dad was in Randall and Hopkirk all deceased. right yeah. yeah I can't remember if he was Randall or Hopkirk but Pratt would have been the surname. Anyway, um, because his parents were theater folk, he tells all these great stories. He has a book out, My Base and Other Animals, and he has a, a show that he tours from time to time based on his life, which is just hilarious and um, filled with fantastic tales he's telling on he various great. celebrities where did you meet him oh uh he's a f- he goes out with a friend of mine and ah. you you got to get him on this show he sounds amazing maybe maybe we get him in this week um, sure honestly uh, do yeah i mean i don't know if he, he's promoting anything right now but anyway um but he is such a great storyteller anyway this is one of the stories which is he was a child a fast asleep um and uh, he got up in the middle of the night to get a glass of water. And as far as he was concerned, there was a hobo asleep on the sofa, and he was terrified. This disheveled, drunken man snoring away went in, tiptoe, like crept out of the room, went in to wake up his parents, and they went, "Oh, no, don't worry, that's Peter O'Toole." <sighs> <laughs> so this would have been like early seventies or something, and you know, Peter O'Toole did like a drink
1: or ten, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow, imagine that. Yeah, that reminds me of a story not drunken but wrong a wrong bed story my dad's friend used to work in London but he was living away from his family at that time so he was staying at this B&B this was like in the 80s maybe late 70s 80s he used to stay at the same place all the time he used to go home on the weekends come back on um, uh, you know on the week uh, like late Sunday yeah he would just collect his key himself he could let himself in you know the landlady knew him so well she didn't need to show him to his room anymore he always had the same thing so he lets himself in as usual, takes his key, goes up to his room, doesn't turn the light on because he's so familiar with it, gets undressed, gets into bed, and then there's this, ah, ah, this screaming, yeah, yeah. turns the light on. It's Dora Bryan, who was an actress from, like, famous actress in the 90 I'm going to say 40s and 50s, maybe okay. 60s. But yeah, he got into bed with Dora Bryan by accident, and that was his famous, his brush with fame. Because obviously there'd been a change in plan and yeah. she'd been given his room and yeah easy mistake to make but my goodness <laughs> can you imagine waking up in the middle of the night to have some yeah a
2: man climbing in let <laughs> me bed with you yeah and it's it strange. being like ending okay like oh sorry yeah
1: it sounds like something from the sort of comedies that she used to yeah, be yeah yeah life imitates art oh my god it, it, it's um i've never been in a situation where someone has let mes- let themselves into a hotel room but it must happen
2: there yeah i don't know there's a um there's a famous artist um sophie oh, i'm launching into a story and i don't have all the facts and figures but anyway french artist who as part she does performance art and does photographs of herself and you know very uh interactive uh, art with people's lives. Like she'll do things like find letters that people have discarded and turn mm. that into art. But one of her things was she got a job, one of her projects was she got a job as a chambermaid in a hotel and then would go and photograph people's belongings and their suitcases and everything and turn that <sighs> into to her art. And then she would, I guess, find out people's personal details and then send them letters about things that she knew about their lives. Like oh just my. really like stalker, creepy stuff. Um, but the artwork was, was great out of it.
1: So totally worth it. Yeah, yeah. This was but sort probably of, actionable. Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, she she worked in this doing was doing this in the seventies and then the eighties. So it was. Oh, um, we know
1: those were wild times. Yeah, those are
2: wild times and a little bit more lawless than they are now.
1: <laughs> oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. We've got about fifty minutes if you want to join in. If not, you know what we're going to get this.
0: <laughs> the late night alternative with Catherine Boyle. You never know just where the conversation will take you. The- On talk radio.
1: I mean, very unimaginatively, both Katie and I have got quite a standard name, haven't we? Yeah.
2: Well, are you Catherine or are you Katie? I'm Kathleen, but it's not unimaginative on our fault. No. But what is it like, Katie? I used to be there. Always used to be more Kathies in my class growing up, and. I, there'd be a hand, you know, a couple of Katie's, but now I hear Katie all the time, like yelled at toddler. So I, I have a toddler name now, which is, I guess it's good. I don't have an old
1: lady name. No, when I was growing up, there weren't that many up North. And then we moved down South and there were quite a lot actually of Catherine's, but none uh, of them were called Catherine. They were all Kate's and Katie's and yeah, like you say, Kathy's and all that kind of stuff. Yes. But my great grandma, Elizabeth thought my name was Kathleen till the day she died. Get involved, she, Grandma. She used to call me Kathleen all the time. And it got to the point where we stopped correcting. Her. I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. Wow.
2: Exactly. It was no point. I'm not on the ball, <laughs> Grandma. Focus.
1: Hey, Happy Tree.
8: Hey, Kathleen.
1: <laughs> Cheeky. <laughs> We've um, well, had a bit of trouble getting hold of you tonight. What's going on?
8: I don't know. I was speaking and you weren't hearing it, so... Oh,
1: how odd. We can't have that. I don't that. know
8: what's going on. Maybe Brexit is not allowing British people to speak to uh, the greater EU or something like that. That'll be know.
1: it. That'll be it. The um, onslaught has begun.
8: Yes. Um, nice to hear you in fine fettle.
1: Thank you. Uh,
8: with I uh, was Katie as well. I remember you from the the I've, I've forgotten what the the show was. Now that the tube? No, the word. It was the word.
7: Yeah, that's the, <laughs> the one. Yeah. Oh, yep.
8: Um, So, yeah, I was just interested... I mean, I've been listening... I haven't phoned for ages, but I've been still listening now and again, but I just lost the interest in phoning uh, any radio for some reason. But you sparked my interest by... You were talking about invasion of personal space. Yes. Well, um, I have just left a job because of this that has been going on for about two years. And, it's, it's well, I mean, as a man, do I get to complain about sexual harassment yes
2: yes <laughs> you of do um, of
8: course certainly it's it, it's interesting well it's interesting from the perspective that i now know what it is and and how insidious it is because yeah. you just can't prove anything exactly. and you can't you, you see um, and it just totally it just makes you feel very um, what's the word Unsure of yourself, very unshaky I don't know. I don't know. No, I mean, it a, makes a, you feel a, very weird.
1: A lot of a lot of its power is the fact that it's could be passed off as being in your mind.
8: Well, I mean, it's like oh, well, it's, it's this horrible. But bo- I mean, I won't go into the, the details of my workplace. Uh,
1: but was it a woman <laughs> I mean, then I, that was, was doing? At,
8: yeah, well, well, I mean, the thing is, being a language teacher, I'm, I'm always working with, predominantly with women mm-hmm. because mainly women do languages. So um, I found myself the only male in the eight-strong language centre in this school uh, in Estonia. I won't mention exactly where it is because it would be identified and I'm going to slag them off. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I have never encountered such corruption and lies, blatant lies. Like, I, I mean, Am I so naive? The boss goes to a meeting and they tell her something. She then comes back and she has a meeting with us and she tells us, she, it's just a, a fiction. And it's like, oh, well, they said that, and then they said that, and this wasn't my idea. And the whole thing was her idea. And then she comes up and, well, okay, let's get on back onto the main subject. What she did to invade my personal space was touching, pressing into me when she comes up to my desk and looks at something on the computer, and, you know, just kind of leaning into me. And I'm like, what's she doing? But when they start doing that, you just think, well, oh, well, maybe they're just leaning too far out. Who knows yeah. what? You
1: think, oh, well, that was awkward. <laughs> yeah.
8: And then it goes on and on, and you think, "What, what are you doing?" Um, and then the worst thing she did, which was very weird, was that you know I'm sitting at a desk, so I'm at that height. And when I she wants to speak to me, she came and came up to the desk and crouched, like squatted down, and looked up at me, and showing you know what there would there would be on view. Um, oh. in that Position. And I'm like, and I'm thinking, what are you doing? You're my boss and I'm here to teach people. I'm not here to flirt with and you're married anyway and I'm not interested and what what are you doing? And this is totally inappropriate. And it turns out that she'd been going round the entire school for two years flirting with all the militia people. And oh, maybe I've mentioned what it is now. And um, they were all completely in thrall to her mini skirts and high heels. And right. In in the middle of a meeting, she would sit in the middle of the of the of the room, and just have her skirt like up at her waist. You know the kind of thing where it rides up. You know when you put, cross one leg over the other. Like, oh my god! And she would wear and she would wear stockings but had a pattern specifically at the top. So that, and I'm thinking, well we're not meant to see that and uh, so I had to leave that place I was just I can't I couldn't take it anymore but it was just
2: it's an interesting thing you're it describing exists. because of course you know it's sort of like your typical reader's wives fantasy but when you're, it's happening in reality and when it's your boss and and she's being a sexual predator yeah,
1: yeah it's it's but totally, all those things you're talking about standing a bit too close pressing against you um uh, accidentally giving you flashes that's all standard predator behavior yeah. that men do you know yeah so, it's a, it's a power yeah. it's a power play she's daring you to say something yes.
8: It is a totally powerful thing because she she was in cahoots with her superior, who is a high-ranking officer who can basically do whatever he wants. So she, we suspect, you know, he had a, he would do anything to protect her from everything. So we suspect that there was something going on there, and so she could carte blanche to do anything she wanted. And so I would go to people and complain and say, "What's going on?" And they would say, "Oh, well, that's just her," and you know, just you're overreacting why don't you just ignore it
2: i am not
8: no, i can't i can't do this
2: anymore. and i uh, do you think there's also an element of sexism as well where it's like well you know men can't be bothered by that because that's what men
1: like no you lucky devil fancy being able to get that well i mean we've already got people on uh, youtube saying oh where is this office he's like yeah, yeah right but you know if it's happening to you there, and it's there, unsolicited some, there, and- are,
8: there there were some some reactions like that you know it's difficult to be taken seriously when uh, and then, um, well, one time, you know, you know how you sort of subconsciously react, and you don't mean to. Yeah. So I was going through the same same door as her at the same at the same time. She, you know, I was going one machine, the other, and I just walked. I thought I just walked through it, and she was like, "Oh, right." And then I looked at my position, and I'm like contorting huh. my, you know, like my feet, my feet are on the ground, but my waist is like pushing away from her. Yeah. And, and Body language. Of, this, in this, Yeah, this bent shape as I'm trying to walk as far away from her as possible.
1: Pretzeling yourself.
8: Yeah.
1: Oh, God, you're talking about manoeuvres that a lot of women will have found themselves doing over the years. Yeah, yeah. And and Uh, it's no less valid when it happens to a man.
8: I mean, do you, I I guess you both have encountered this in your uh, professional lives.
2: I have. I don't know that I have in that. Oh, you know what? I, some people take advantage. Uh, who is that creepy racing uh, commentator? That oh, older guy with all the McCrick, hair?
14: John McCrick.
2: Yeah, yeah. So he, I had to meet him once uh, on, on The Word, and I went to shake his hand, and he did that, that weird, creepy little finger scritch, oh, you know, no. in the palm of the hand, which just suddenly feels really intimate and, and it violating. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he was up for it, and uh, it was most unwelcome, and it was on camera so I couldn't react yes. to it.
14: Was that the night you hosted the pig racing with Jar Gabor?
1: Oh, it may well have yeah. been. <laughs> <laughs> oh, happy days. <laughs> eh? That sounds
14: blissful. In a parallel universe.
1: <laughs> happy tree, thanks for giving us a ring. Thank you.
14: Okay, it's me.
1: Bye, bye-bye. Bye, bye. Um, Roger, we'll have to be very quick, because I've got Paul Ross here.
10: Yeah, hello, Paul. Hello, Katie. Hello,
1: Catherine. Hello, oh, everybody.
10: Hello. <laughs> I'm not going to get shouted at again, am I?
1: Why, have you nicked that cat yet?
10: Well, I took I took her home on I took her home on Friday.
1: <gasps> you did nick the cat. Uh,
10: gonna take her to a vet to see if she's chipped.
2: All right then.
5: All right,
10: that's good. If she's not chipped, I'm gonna keep her because finders it, keepers. Middle of in a middle of in a middle of a town centre. There was nowhere to uh, where she, where local she could have come from. Okay. Looked on Facebook groups. I think one of my colleagues put a post on a missing cat's Facebook group for. Doncaster.
2: So you've Nothing tried. Due diligence.
10: Try. But my mum stole a cat.
2: Oh, well, listen, it runs in the family.
1: You've got form, mate. You can't <laughs> help yourself. We'll have to take that story another time, Roger, because you yeah. phoned up just in the nick.
14: Yeah, don't and worry. It, and it's Paul's. <laughs> okay. <Good. laughs> Thanks Roger, I'll speak to you again You've been sounding great as ever tonight I um, uh, heard you mention Dora Bryan Who had a minor yes. hit single in the early 60s With All I Want for Christmas is a Beetle And she was oh, with yeah. Noel Coward um, in Private Lives And Noel Coward said you need to change She was broadbent. So she got her name from the back of a Bryant and May Matches box oh. In the programme that they left the tea off So she became Dora, Dora Bryan. Bryan And she played Rita Tushingham's mum in A Taste of Honey Which is a oh, lovely food. She's, yes. she's the old, oh, oh come on then love, what's happened to you yeah. One of those old Fantastic. actresses Brilliant actor, Brilliant actor.
1: Yeah didn't deserve what happened to her, though, did no, she? No, she did not. Somebody <laughs>
14: surprised you at midnight. Maybe she did. Maybe she did. Maybe she changed the numbers on the door. Who are we to judge? Yes. You know, all kinds of shenanigans happen on the road. Speaking of
1: shenanigans, what are you up to tonight? On the
14: programme today, we're uh, talking about a fascinating... I'm not a big believer in the paranormal, although I hosted that uh, show, Most Haunted Live, about five years. But um, Which I loved, by the way. We're going to... <laughs> just screaming in the dark as the building settled. But we're going to Hinkley in Leicestershire, where they've got a museum of paranormal objects, including voodoo dolls. They've got things like crucifixes that were buried upside down at Crossroads roads over a witch's body, so we're talking about a bit of that, and we're also going to, which I'm particularly looking forward to, we're going to be talking on the show today about sack racing, because a new record has been set for race, you know, sack racing in America, you don't have that, maybe.
2: Well, I'm just concerned about what kind of sack are we talking <laughs> well, about? Well, that's a school
14: sports day thing, children <laughs> got a gunny sack up their oh, legs, okay. and they hop along right. in it. All right. A man has set a world record, okay, he beat Mo Farrow's record, he did 200 metres in a sack after training at a Wait, gym does on a Mo? Treadmill.
2: does Mo Farrow...
14: He was paid to take part in an All event, right, and he okay. set a world record, because he's All very right. athletic, Yes. This guy did 200 <laughs> metres in a sack in 28 seconds. Wow. He's on the programme. So I'm looking forward to that as well.
2: What kind of core muscle strength must you have to, to be able to imagine do that? very
14: strong buttocks and upper thighs, would you yeah, say? Yeah,
2: but also your, uh, I don't know, uh, we can mention the word taint again. I think that comes into play. <laughs> I think there must be some sphincter muscle that, wow. that, that
1: provides like a certain p- in, internal pogo now, action. That, that, that
14: helps in so many ways. And on really that
1: does. bombshell, <laughs> Paul Ross is up next. Thank you very much for your company tonight. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye.